This is the MLW Radio Network. Welcome to Front Row Material. It is Tuesday night. As you know, we always start off with an awesome part of our show called Future Stars Now. But before we get there, let me introduce my good longtime partner. His name is The Rit. Ritster, how you doing, buddy? Not bad. A little tired. Well, I'm, I'm dead. I'm like, it's, it's beyond it. These past 24 hours of my life, I cannot wait to hit the, hit the old uh, bed ski. Well, you, you got to be happy though, right? You uh, tell tell everybody what you told me before, what the last twenty four hours of your life has looked like, and why it has all been worth it. Oh man, twenty four hours! I went up to Boston, watched me some socks, which I've got my iPad right now, uh, watching the game four right now. So, but uh, yeah, watching the socks, you know, take out those trash cans. Uh, Left the game at around 11.15 last night, 11.30. Drove home six hours. Got home, well, took a little two-hour nap ski. Got home at 8 o'clock. Drove to work. Got there at 9.15 and worked till 5.30. And here I am now with you, Mike, and with our amazing guest that is going to give us a little bit of his time tonight. Well, I tell you what, do you, what you just described, pro wrestlers do that every single day. Hey. Isn't, that, isn't that crazy? They make that commute. How they have the energy to still do what they do and be on the road and drive and travel and hotels and this and that. The more I learn about pro wrestling, the more I realize I have so much respect for for what they do inside that bell rings, but there's so much that they got to do even way before that happens just to get prepared and the travel and the grind and the grind. Um, I think our guest tonight is going to tell us a lot about that. And I'm, I'm excited to hear all of his stories and everything he has to share with us. Man, I, I sit there and I seen, like, I, 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 love, I enjoy watching two big monsters, like, go head to head. And two months ago when I seen our guest and Moose go at it, I was like, holy shit. Like, man, you, you talk about, you know, the irresistible force and the movable object that was these two and uh mike man everybody you guys still want to check it out head on over to fight tv it's the eighth anniversary show for ppw you can still get it go ahead and order it right now it's definitely a show you're not going to want to miss and when it comes out on uh dvd or digital download whatever the thing is nowadays that you can do guy keeps I, I caught myself saying, man, when this comes out on VHS and I stopped myself and went, okay, yep, I'm officially that get off my lawn guy now. Definitely. VHS, geez. Uh, but hey, Mike, people here, are, uh, they don't want to come to see us. They don't want to hear us talk. They want to hear pro wrestlers talk. Yes. Let's go ahead and let's give them what they want. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's bring on in the green machine, Mr. Mike Orlando. 
What's up, guys? Man, how What's you doing, Mike? On? Good, good. Good to be here, guys. Thank you for having me on. It is our pleasure, and, and like we said before, I mean, if you didn't get a chance to check out that 8th anniversary show, which was amazing, please make sure you get a chance to check it out again. Um, Mike, you are a very intimidating individual right, right there, just sitting right there. Um, I can't even begin to imagine when you are ready to tear someone's head off, what is going through your opponent's head? Because right now you're smiling at me, but I'm sure that smile can go away very quickly. And uh, as as Negan would say on Walking Dead, it's it's pee pee pants time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I've been told my whole life I have a constant, you know what, face where everybody kind of assumes the worst. But like, if you ever talk to me, I'm the most laid back, calm, cool, collected person. It's 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 the opposite of how I. I mean, I don't get me wrong. If something goes out, it, it's it's different. But as a person myself, I think I'm super approachable. But it's so funny because even like I, I run a gym and I have 2,000 members. I can't tell you like how many of them won't even look at me. They look straight down when they walk in and things like that. And I'm sitting there in my little shirt like, hey. <laughs> you know, and half of them don't even want to hear it. I was listening a little bit about what you were talking about being you know, on the road and going to Boston and all that and having to come home. And I literally struck a nerve. I was like, yep, I totally get them, man. It's, it's, it's my constant life and it's weird because it's different now because of everything with the pandemic but now having a full-time two full-time jobs i guess you could say and then wrestling on top of it it's uh wow you know so when you said that i was like yep i totally feel him i literally just walked out of one place gave my students a little uh sheet out there so they have a practice schedule and what they should be doing in the time that we're doing this and then just sat down for the first time probably all day and it's just yeah, so I feel you. It's pretty. It's pretty good to uh, be back. I guess you could say. <laughs> so there, there's so many things that we want to get into. So much meat on the bone, as they will say. But I think the first thing we always like to get into is, I, I guess the the main question: Why pro wrestling? It, more than anything else, I mean, you know, when 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 we're growing up, especially guys, firefighters, police officers, this that, maybe sports players, football players, whatever. Um, my very first pay-per-view is going to date me. It's WrestleMania three. Um, I wanted to be a, a pro wrestler. Um, actually, I wanted to be like Bobby Heenan. But what was it for you? Was it when you were a child, when you were maybe a little bit older than that? Why was it pro wrestling that caught your eye? Um, that's a great question. I, I don't really watch sports. I don't watch anything really like that. I, I had a almost professional football career and I've never watched a football game in my life. And, uh, it's, it's always been wrestling to me since I was little, little, it, it just, my sister loved it. So I was the accident child. I say that, and I mean it, but my siblings are older than I. So when I was younger, everybody was watching wrestling, 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 when it was the cool thing. And I just never put it down. I just always watched it. And I was a heavy set kid growing up, kind of a loser. And wrestling was like my escape. Yeah. I always thought like, I lived in this imaginary world. And uh, when I got older, I did what I could, I guess you could say, uh, with sports. And I paid for my college and it didn't, did, you know, things like that for me. But I never had the passion like I did with wrestling. And um, it's just what you were saying about WrestleMania 3, I, I guess I just turned 30. So, I mean, I'm dating myself like a little bit when I talk about this stuff. But 
it was mostly when Cactus Jack came back and I didn't know who Cactus Jack was. This was in the nineties, like when the hell in the cell time was going on. And I knew nothing of, of who he was until he came out. And I was like, I, I know him. Like that's mankind. And, and it all started making sense. And I started going to school with like different personalities. And I was probably the weird kid. I would go in there and be like, oh, today I'm Mike, tomorrow I'm this guy, the next day I'm this guy. And I, I literally would do it. And they would, you know, call my house and tell my mom, like, is he good? What's going on? But I would play all these little <laughs> characters perfect. And um, that's kind of where it all started. And it kind of carried over into college because I had a great college football coach, um, probably one of the best mentors in my life. And I, I just was a character, man. I never watched football. So I didn't. I, I mean, I got the, the teamwork stuff and I was good at it. But I was the guy at 5 a.m. In, in the weight room with my replica WWE championship belt screaming at the top of my lungs and all face paint on for no reason. And everybody's looking at me like, this guy's nuts. But he's a good teammate. So, like, one day I, I showed up super – I partied a lot in college like everybody else. And uh, I was never used to that life. So, when I became a football guy and had all this, I guess, open space to party, I did. And I didn't know any better. So, uh, one day I showed up late for a weight room. And uh, – my, I came with my belt and my face all painted up and I was about five minutes late. And my coach was like, I'm not sure why you're here. And uh, he wouldn't let me come in the weight room and said, because I was late, I was going to learn my lesson type of thing. And I cut a whole promo on him and was like, da, 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 in front of all my teammates. And the next day I showed up to practice like normal. And as I got there, he told me I wasn't coming in the practice field. And I didn't understand why. And he had a bunch of pamphlets to a place called old time wrestling that he had printed out on the, on the computer and he threw them at me and was like, go, go be a wrestler. You're not a football player. Clearly you don't want to be. And, um, it struck a nerve and I was like, well, wow. like this, this is, this is right here. And he looks me square in the face and was like, it's about two hours away. And I was up in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And this was all the way in, um, it's Paulsboro. I think is where uh, it is, is where the current H2O building is the independent wrestling one. Um, but, I, yeah, yeah, I'm going to show you was my idea and I'm going to go to wrestling. And then I drove the two hours left football practice and got to old time wrestling where I didn't know at the time, Jim Molinow, former ECW referee, which is why I laughed when I saw this. And, um, Ed, uh, I guess Atlas, I don't remember his name. He's a nut job from Canada. I love him to death, but I don't know where he is anymore or anything about it, but he was Jim's partner for all time wrestling at the time. And I got there and they already spoke to my football coach. And they were like, okay, yeah, he, he called, and you're not even stepping foot in this ring until you learn discipline, until you do this, until you do that. And my football coach was basically help paying and funding my wrestling school as long as I showed up to practice on time and did the, the, the stuff I was supposed to do at football. Wow. So if I wanted my dream to come true, I had to play football, was kind of the deal. So I would go wake up at 5 in the morning for our, our practice in the morning, go to class all day, football around three o'clock to about eight o'clock, about seven o'clock, go sit in the car for two hours immediately from football, get the wrestling training around nine, nine thirty, and stay till about one. And then get back around 3 a.m., sleep for about two hours and go to football practice every single day. So if I didn't get a kick in the ass then, like that was what really kind of made me a pro wrestler. And that's why pro wrestling, because I had to do something I didn't want to do, which I did, and I guess as I look back on it, but at the time, I didn't want to be a football player or any of that. I just wanted to be a pro wrestler once I had a taste of it. But in order to fund it and everything, I had to play football. So it was a fun little um, start, but that's the only reason I know pro wrestling. I could never go play football again. I tried out with the XFL. I, I could never do it. Thank you. 
I found my niche and like, this is what I'm sticking with no matter what happens. I mean, at this point. Well, Mike, I want to give you props. One day of that, that happened in my 24 hours was your every day. I couldn't do it. <laughs> like it was, uh, it was kind of a competition with myself. It, it's, he didn't think I could do it either. And that was like, okay, I'm going to show this guy why I like, wear makeup in the weight room and went run around with a championship belt. Like I really am this guy. So it was, uh, that's where the green machine came from. Um, I wore green on the football field and everybody wore blue. And my coach used to always ask me why I wear green. And then my answer was because when I go to these parties, nobody knows what we look like under our, our helmets and our pads. But when I say the crazy guy that was wearing all green, everybody knows who I was. Mm -hmm. And he would always be like, oh, dude, green machine, green machine, green machine. And finally it just stuck. And everybody was calling me green machine. And I, that's, that's where that comes from. So, so Mike, what was your first uh, taste or first bit of ECW? <laughs> um, so I watched ECW for the first time ever and had no idea what I was watching because it was like 2 o'clock in the morning when it would come on. <laughs> and uh, I, I was Indeed. watching, um, I think it was Adult Swim. It was like Space Ghost or something like that. And I had to be maybe seven or eight years old and something scary happened. I don't remember what it was, but it scared me to death. And I remember changing the channels. Like, I don't want to watch this anymore at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I just stumbled upon ECW. And specifically, the event that was going on was um, basically right after the mass transit incident. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And I remember watching this and I, knowing wrestling was fake as a kid. And... They didn't show anything at this point, but they were talking about everything. And the, and the internet really wasn't a thing, but we had a computer in the house. You know, don't pick up the phone because we're going to lose internet connection type of thing. So I remember hearing them talk about it, apologizing for it. I, I remember they, they brought it up after very briefly. And I went online, I went in the, the computer room, turned on the computer and Googled what happened. And it wasn't like YouTube it was just like a pop-up thing where I could see a video of it. It was like, okay, Napster, download the link. So I had to like download and I remember like waiting all night and I fell asleep, woke <laughs> up for school. And then as I woke up, it was done. And right before I went to school, I watched it and was like, you know what I mean? And then like kind of didn't know what to think, but at the same time I was like, God, ah, it's scripted. This is all, this is all scripted. And, and I loved ECW because it was just, I knew at two o'clock in the morning, I was going to see something crazy. And it was mm -hmm. like worth staying up for because I knew my parents weren't going to bother me. So if there was someone naked on there that was going to get, I was going to get away with watching it. Like it was such <laughs> cool little, like, like little things as a kid, you never knew what to expect. And that was my first taste was watching the mass transit incident. Like I remember I watched a little bit of the show that night, but I was so concerned about what they were talking about that I had to find out what happened during that. And um, yeah, then I just fluently just started watching ECW left and right and became a huge Taz fan. And that's part of like half my arsenal comes from Taz. It just he was just an awesome grappler that just kind of threw everybody around for the size he was, and he was small doing it. So if a big guy does it, it's even bigger, you know. And I don't mean that by small by any means. I'm saying considered to the stars he was at, you know, around at the time. Right. But um, yeah, that was my first taste was Mass Transit, and then I watched everything up until the closing. And I remember Kurt Angle showing up. And that whole thing happening, and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world, having no idea who Kurt Angle was, other than the fact that these were reruns at the time. And I was watching Kurt Angle on WWE and was like, oh, he, he was there. And then Nunzio debuted in uh, 
WWE and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, he's on that ECW show. And then as you get older, you start realizing how pro wrestling really goes. And it's just, it's cool to kind of see that happening again with pro wrestling. I'm trying to think about the, the whole Eric Kula situation. Um, you had Devon Dudley, and he was supposed to be teaming up with, I want to say it was, oh gosh, was it Balls Mahoney? But Balls wasn't able to be there. Yes. So Devon teamed up with Mass Transit, yep. and they went against uh, New Jack, and I don't want to say it wasn't Mustafa, but uh, maybe it was no, Mustafa. Um, wow, I'm blanking here. Oh, okay. Hold on a second. I'm being corrected. Yeah. It was was one of the it was it was one of the rottens who couldn't yes. make it. Sorry yes. about that. Yes, 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 yes. It, it was Axel Rotten, and and then they never. Um, I believe they never found out Eric's age. They just said he was trained and a pro wrestler, and they just kind of took him on at the time. But they did issue an apology for it afterwards. It was the most insincere apology in the world. But I remember that was the that was what drawed me in. Just I remember watching that, and I had to find out what happened. It phone conversations early on when I was talking with Mikey and Jerry, uh, the founders of this program. Uh, we talked about how ECW was Fight Club before Fight Club was a thing, because it was basically this underground thing where it was pro wrestlers. But it was a lot of guys that you could see yourself in, regular guys who would just get in there, and they made it so believable with that grungy feel to it that you literally thought you were watching a fight. I mean, there was weapons used. There was it wasn't your typical, you know, steel chair or you know, something like that. It was anything. I mean, there was toasters and there was you know VCRs and yes, and it was all this crazy stuff. And I think that's what made it so appealing was because. It literally was like two guys brawling, grabbing anything they could, frying pans. People were knocked out unconscious literally at points of times. Uh, Sabu's body was completely destroyed and torn yep. apart. He tapes up. He keeps going. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was just incredible. But So ECW really was something that appealed to you, and Taz was somebody who you really, you really liked and you enjoyed watching. Was there anybody else additionally in ECW that caught your eye? Uh, Rob Van Dam. I mean, I literally, nice. uh, you know, like I still to this day, I mean, that's my favorite wrestler probably to this day. I, I'm still challenging him left and right on Twitter, even though he doesn't even answer me, trying to get a match going. Uh, we were going to have one right around the impact, um, one night stand things they were doing back in PPW actually. And uh, I blew my knee out, uh, right before that, that was all about to go down and wow. even tried to get back as fast as possible to try to do it within four months. Um, and they obviously I was nowhere near where I was supposed to, and I ended up wrestling Michael Elgin uh, for the the one night stand thing they do, or one night only, excuse me. And uh, I am happy I didn't wrestle RBD in that match because I could barely get up the steps into the ring, let alone wrestle a match. If Elgin wasn't so strong and could just throw me around the way he did, like that was all him. I couldn't even remotely jump anything. And if I would have had to wrestle RBD, he probably would have knocked my teeth out. So it's kind of a good thing, but. That was my uh, everything. Frog splash in the bed to my haircut my whole life to just always following, I guess, the motto. I mean, that's just kind of how I am as a person. That's why I started. I was saying I was laid back. It's just someone more laid back than him. 
Were you surprised, getting back to the story about your high school uh, coach, were you, were you surprised that he embraced your your desire for pro wrestling? Because I, I think in, in most cases, if somebody's not showing that they're, you know, or showing some interest in other things, they may just say, you know what, this ain't for you. you, you know, you're done or whatever. But the fact that he embraced it and the fact that he supported it and the fact that he did those steps to help you make those first connections um, – that had to also be really, really cool that he you got that feeling of support from him. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of it had to do with the idea of a, it was college. So, like, he, I guess, recruited me for a very long time. Uh, we had a personal connection. I had chosen a lot of better schools on paper to be with him. And it's just uh, he, he took care of me before I even got there. I mean, he would send me T-shirts, things like that. It wasn't to sell me. It was just because he knew I had interest. So he paid attention to my interest for about two years before recruiting started. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was about 6'4", probably about 315 pounds. And I was fast, I could move, and I was just reckless, I guess. And he loved that. And I knew that he knew I was committed, and I loved what I did as far as wrestling goes. And I think he's wanted to get that same energy out of me for football. He didn't want to give up on me. So I think what he did was kind of threw me a bone and was like, let me give him this because he'll give me X, Y, Z in return. And I did. I mean, I, I, once he did that, I mean, I turned to this man for everything, everything, advice, relationship advice. When I was going through issues I mean, he and I had a very, still do to this day, still talk a good connection. And, um, I just think that it, it helped me as a person grow because there's no world that you're about to be a pro football player and you're like to your parents, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stick to wrestling. And they're like, oh, you're wrestling in front of 15 people in a warehouse. What do you mean you're going to stick to wrestling? Go, go play professional football and make a living. And mm, nope, I think I'm going to stick to wrestling. So obviously my parents who were, were very successful people were very against me doing it. And to this day, I mean, they're very supportive now. I completely different people. But back then, I was a college student, I was trying to graduate, and I had credits to a million different degrees, but not one degree set in stone because I didn't care about school. I just cared about the football part. So I was taking art classes for criminal justice, and they're like, what the hell are you taking art for? And eventually it kind of all came to, and I had to go to two separate degrees. But I think my parents realized, like, okay, he's all over the place. He needs this football thing to, to make some money in his life. I stuck with wrestling, and I did it my way, and I did it a very different way, but now to this day now my parents are very happy that i did it my own way because i'm just turned 30. i have my own house that i own in florida i have a wrestling school um i i did something right and i think now at least after the injuries i had my first injury and my parents were like okay you're done right and no so i came back and then after about seven months the other knee happened and they were like okay we're done right no nope and I think now they just realize after seeing me in a wheelchair for two years, if I'm going to get up and go do it again, uh, well, you might as well support him at this point because clearly he's not going to change his mind. And it helped me better my relationship with them. And I, I thank my coach for that a lot because he gave me the confidence to try something different. I, I was, I knew no better at the time. I would never have found a wrestling school or anything like that on my own because I guess I was too in the moment to uh, engulf with the whole college football player life and enjoying all the time out and everything. And he had to come knock on my door half the time to wake me up for practice in the morning. So I, I had it easy, you know, until I kind of had a chance to step out of that circle. So if it wasn't for him, I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at right now. 
Well, Mike, uh, a man of your size and strength, I'm kind of curious. You have to be on the line. I'm guessing oh, offense, yeah. Yeah. Uh, offensive line? Yep, I was an offensive guard and tackle. Okay. Yep, yeah. That was 315 in my senior year. Yeah, 315 pounds pulling guard. Hey, next time I'm at PPW, I might have to have my son uh, get some advice from you. He's, uh, oh, yeah, he's a football player? Uh, first year, he's 11 years old, 5'5". Five, five. Uh, you you seen him at the shows, 5'5", five, five, yeah, 10. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, first year playing wow. football, and he's just – the the coat the coach loves it. He's just like just, just knock him over. That that's that was my job. I knew nothing. Every every huddle. I mean, if you have good teammates, that's the best advice I could ever give. Good teammates and a good coach will change everything. Because I would read the play over and over. I would look in my playbooks. I would study him. When it came down to it, I had no idea. Is this a pass play? Is it a run play? I never knew what to do. But I had the best center. Uh, his name was James Pratt. It, that I could possibly think of, think of, and he would look at me and be like. Run play, 65. Okay, 65 is my guy, and it's a run play. And I'd come out of my stance and absolutely annihilate 65. And it's just that aura kind of that you get. People on the field can feel that. And when you're a team and you're actually acting cohesive, it's it's crazy what you can do. And you put the egos aside. You put everything aside. It's like, okay, Mike has no idea what to play is, so every time we're going to remind him. But this quarterback here is definitely not going to get hit as long as Mike's in front of him. So we just had each other's back. And, I mean, that's the best advice I can give him is just to be the best teammate he could possibly be, even if his team sucks. Um, like, seriously. Like, I, we were, I think, three and seven my first year in college. My second year, we won the NCAA championship and got a ring. I mean, same player, same everything. And just we all had each other's back. So, especially at 11, this is, this is the time he's going to start developing himself into the player he wants to be. He's going to get some confidence. He's going to grow up. He's going to go through changes. That's like exactly where he wants to be right now. Yeah, he has a guy, uh, the guard, really good friend of his. He he actually does exactly what your center did for him. He sits there and, and looks over him and says, you know, 72. And he knows 72 is the guy he's taken out, you yep. know. And and he will always have that 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 center's back, believe me, or the guard, excuse me. He'll yeah. always have his back because he knows he needs that guy. So if yep. someone's going to come earhole that guy and he has nothing to do, believe me, he's going to get there and take that guy over real quick. So I, I just – I don't miss football, but I definitely miss my team. That's that's why I didn't make it at the next level. I, I had my teammates, and that was what got me there. And then once I got there, it was you – know. <laughs> It's a lot of successful people say it's not necessarily the sport what it is. It's about the camaraderie that you develop with other people, the relationships. Mikey and Jerry had both said – we don't miss the wrestling. We miss the people. We miss the relationships that we had. That was the galvanizing force between people because when you build these relationships and you have trust with somebody, that is something that you don't find every day with a lot of people. And and that is something very special. And like you said before, with your college coach, that's not something that happens every day. That's a very special relationship. Um, I guess my next question would be, when it comes to relationships, what was it like with uh, – Jim Molino, what was it like first meeting him? Um, what was it like going ahead and picking his brain? And I'm sure there were some ECW questions and stories that definitely uh, that happened at school. Well, uh, it's, it's funny. I actually met Mikey through Jim. Uh, he had sent me to New York to Mikey's school up there to do a couple shows and whatnot. And I ended up being a full-time guy on Mikey's roster. And um, so that right there should tell you the kind of stuff that I know and heard and everything and it's just 
Now I'm from a privileged area of New Jersey. Uh, my family was always poor, but we were in a privileged area. So I'm not used to hearing crazy things, you know? So joining wrestling, I was exposed to the craziest of things. And it's just <laughs> uh, walking into this warehouse and after looking at the pamphlets, I, I don't know what I'm going to be facing, you know, what I'm going to see. So I'm expecting like, I don't know indie wrestling at this time. I don't really know much about it. I'm expecting like an arena type thing. And I'm retraining in an arena. So I walk in and it was a warehouse, just a warehouse, lights barely on, leaking ceiling. And uh, the stage was a piece of wood with a curtain over it. And he had the heels and the baby faces, not even anywhere near each other. Couldn't talk before matches or anything like that. Uh, very old school. And I walked in and it was the least, the last thing I was expecting was that. And then I just fell in love with it, I guess. It was like, this is so cool. Oh my God. And then the ring was an ECW ring. So Jim was like, oh, this is one of the ECW rings. And then, at this point, I'm still a mark. I'm like, oh my God, rolled in the ring, throwing myself all over the ropes, trying to feel the turnbuckles for the first time. Jim was very uh, patient with me because I was a very gifted athlete. So instantly I picked it up pretty quick. And by like week four, thought I knew it all. So at very, I remember one time I did a leapfrog in like my first match and I was told not to do anything like that. I did it. And I remember just the kind of old school like aura that was backstage afterwards. I would never do it again because it was just that like, I think I think these guys are going to beat the hell out of me. Like everybody in the locker room right now, I think they're all about to just team up and beat the shit out of me. And it, it, I meant it. Like I really thought. Like in my head, it's like, who am I to go do that? Who am I to go do this? And then I started getting wrestling. Jim's best quality was he would give you advice, but he would never make you do it. It was like, oh, I I would do this. Okay, you know, never said, oh, you better make sure you do this. And what I could say about him is, every time he gave you advice, and if you ever went against it, uh, you were probably wrong. And he just, he was a very good mentor in the sense of he saw wrestling from a different point of view all the time and knew what good wrestling was and what bad wrestling was by having to watch other people do it constantly and to hear what the crowd was reacting to. And uh, the drills we did compared to what I see other schools doing now and everything, and Ed had a huge play in this, but he... Uh, they were very situational based and helped me out a lot in my career because of things that Jim saw that didn't work and, and the crazy stories that Jim had, had dealt with and, and kind of transferred over to us. Like, oh, don't do that because this one time I saw Dreamer do that with so-and-so. Match absolutely sucked and we had to go 10 minutes watching it. And it's like, well, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong because that's, that's definitely you were there so you know what happened. And I, I just think Jim... He never yelled, he never screamed, but he was intimidating. It was just, he, he had a, an aura, like I said, he had something to him where I knew, even though I came from a privileged area, that this warehouse with this ring with the lights barely on was exactly where I had to be to learn how to do this pro wrestling thing. And he was just no nonsense. If I was late for practice, it was just like, okay, we'll sit out. Glad you came because you made the drive and that's it. And he wouldn't always be bad guy or bad cop. He would have Ed do it 90% of the time. But he was, you know, Tony Soprano back there making sure that, you know, hey, this kid doesn't step foot in the ring until he goes and cleans the bathroom. You know, and that's good. I should learn that because I was a privileged college player that wasn't paying for school and can go put my hand in the dirt and, and get paid for it. So now I come into wrestling and I think I knew it all. Like, it was something that I needed to humble out. 
And that was the best place to humble out from me. And I think they had a fallout at the time with the Munson factory. And um, that drove Jim to make his own thing and make it super successful. So it was a very ego-driven thing, but not in the sense of a bad ego. It was like, hey, we're going to do this right, and we're going to do it this way, and this is how it is. If you don't want to do it, there's a door. And I, I, I teach these guys the same way. I would never call myself a trainer. I'm just helping wrestling. I'm just helping out people that want to do this. And if you're trained, if you're not trained, whatever it is, we'll work with you and get you better. Um, but this, this is what the concept of what Jim had was. You, know, you have the best people around you to get better, but I'm not promising anything I can't be captain. So... Uh, introducing me to Mikey and stuff at the time, that was awesome. I mean, I'll never forget those moments in my life. It, it doesn't matter where my career goes from this point. I'll never forget like the two-hour car ride going up to, uh, I think it's Long Island, uh, going up to Long Island and just, oh, my God, I'm about to go see Mike Whipwreck and wrestle in his building and do this. Those feelings don't go away. You know, Every time you step foot in those rings, you remember, oh, when I was 21, I was here. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I wrestled uh, the other day. It popped up in my memories. Tony Nese in one of his last indie matches before going to the WWE in that building. And when it popped up in my memories, it's like, damn, like, how come this doesn't sit all the time with me? Like, why don't I think about this stuff? You know, and it kind of, I had a good upbringing with the wrestling thing with Jim. Well, Mike, uh, what do you, what's the one thing you think, uh, like, students are missing nowadays compared to the old school teachings? Um, it depends on the student, I guess. Um, the diehard wrestling fans that are students now, they don't, the thing missing is kind of their idea of wrestling. It's how you teach it. I mean, I don't teach anything I don't know. So I look at wrestling as flavors of ice cream. So your, your way might be right. That flavor might be good. It's just not my way. And I don't like it. So I kind of want all ideas to be out there because who's to say, Oh, you're a big guy. So you shouldn't be going up the top rope. Then you watch Brian Cage doing a shooting star press on AEW. And you're like, hmm, as you're sitting in a warehouse and trying to teach people wrestling. So it's like, you can't, you can't act like you know it all. And I think that a lot of wrestlers, the best ones are the ones that almost know nothing. They come in with a total blank slate and they know nothing about what they should be doing. And you kind of just teach them certain ways and see what works rather than, a lot of the fans that become wrestlers and they have this idea of what they want to be. And then you look at them and you're like, oh, well, you're not that, you know? So I, I think the biggest thing in wrestling is kind of the knowledge now, the knowledge of what the current product is and what's going on. It may not be the way 10 years ago when you were a kid, that image that you're trying to portray may not work anymore. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. Plus uh, spades a spade. No one goes to the gym anymore. I mean, you got to get these wrestlers in, in, in better shape. And it's not to say bigger wrestlers aren't okay. I mean, that's fine. But, like, your overall health matters by going to the gym. And it reflects in your body. I mean, you can all tell the wrestlers that work out and the ones that don't. So how, as a wrestler, can I trust you not to drop me on my head if you don't even go to the gym to lift, someone up, lift up weight equivalent to what I weigh? So uh, flavors of ice cream is the problem. And also the ethics of, of work. Mike, do you do you feel like, in your opinion, that people nowadays, and once again, you can't paint with a broad brush. Um, sometimes people want to get into wrestling for the wrong reasons, and they want to get into it because they either a good looking guy or really good looking girl, and they see the opportunity to get in, and they see an opportunity to make a name for themselves. But what they don't understand is everything that happens in between that. 
you know, a pretty face and a, and a pretty body can get you so far. But like you were talking about before, if you don't have the fundamentals, if you don't have the tutelage and you know what to do and how to take care of each other and how to hone your craft, a look will only get you so far. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah, getting into it for, for outside reasons. I mean, but the problem with that is it does work for some people. You know, it, it does actually work in some cases, but then if you're following that route, I feel there's no guarantee with this stuff. You know, so to kind of depend on just one thing, you're really not broadening your, your horizons enough. You know, and, and Mikey made a joke, he said that he's made a lot of money not working out. And again, exceptions to the rule, like it's 100% true. 100% true, okay? <laughs> but, I mean, it's just a common thing where it's not the Mikey with breaks, it's not the talented wrestlers, it's it's people that are just able to come on the side of the fence. And that kind of goes to the, the looks and the bodybuilders and all these people that cross over because of. But that's not to knock their dream. Wrestling's for everybody. I'm not saying it's not. But you have to know where you kind of stand in this whole thing. If that kind of makes sense, like I know it does. personally, like I want to be on TV. So to be the big fish in the little pond, I, I'm not in, not that I'm not enjoying this. This isn't where I want to be. So I practice exactly how I want to be there. So I go to the gym. I do all the things it says on paper to do because that's my end goal. But that's not to say I'm indie wrestling. If you're somebody that just enjoys doing this, that's, that's, you could still have your break and just be having fun at the same time. So I don't want to knock people, but those people going in for the looks and everything like that, they don't know a quarter of what goes into this. So they usually weed themselves out pretty quick. Was there anybody during your training um, with Jim or even people that you met early on in your career that you realized just by talking to them for five minutes, man, they want it. Man, they are focused. They are driven. And now, you know, you can see that it really has paid off. Anybody in your opinion, that you got to know early on that, that you thought had the it factor definitely did? Yeah. Um, I make the joke about it all the time, but the little not your brother character I ran for a while was based off of 90% of my friends being on TV now. And it's not a knock. I'm not mad or anything. It was just what I was rocking with and going with at the time, you know, but yeah, uh, that class of people that I kind of, surrounded myself with from about 2000 and I think 10, 2010, I started uh, 2010. So seeing now, I mean, 90% of them are either on WWE or, or AEW now. And it's a cool feeling because <clears throat> when you know, you know, and like Sonny Kiss, one of my absolute best friends. And we all knew, everybody knew from day one, like, oh, he's going to be great. He's going to do something awesome. And it's, it's encouraging to see my friends in those positions now because it makes me get up from the wheelchair and actually keep working so I can get right next to them, if that makes sense. Um, but like Sonny Kiss, um, Cody Vance, uh, Preston Vance now of, of the Dark Order, um, Janella, Joey Janella, uh, just all Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle started with the Monster Factory. I mean, we from day one, we got to see him go and, you know, I wasn't with the factory at the time, but was in my circle of friends all over New Jersey. And then eventually we started doing Indies and stuff in New York together. And you always knew when he was with Evolve and I had my little run with them, 
you always knew Matt Riddle was a star. It was just a matter of time of when he would get his chance. And I'm I'm hanging on that thought. I mean, I'm in the same boat. I'm just waiting for the when moment. I kind of kept myself silent for the last year because it just wasn't healthy enough to come back and, and be the real me. I didn't want to come back like the run I had right before this injury uh, where I could barely move. So I ghosted myself and wrestled very sporadically and safely until I knew it was time to actually pull the trigger again. And now I'm pulling the trigger and making sure everybody knows like I'm hundred percent, I'm back and ready to go. But if I learned anything from those guys, they stayed the course and they never ever worried about when they just enjoyed every moment. And I've always been a guy that's always been waiting for the destination not enjoying the moment. And I regret that and I fixed it. So yeah, that, that, the most standout of that would probably be Sunny Kiss. I mean, I started with Brian Johnson, who's having a great run right now in Ring of Honor, um, but he was our trainer at the time. So to start under a trainer, you think this guy's the best anyway, you know? So it's it's cool to see everybody I kind of surrounded myself with getting to the next level right now. Is there any tips or information just as far as the business itself that – Sonny uh, or anyone else that you're close to has ever given you just, hey, FYI, always remember this or remember that or, hey, don't forget this. Uh, yeah. Um, basically to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> if I, and I'm not kidding. Um, yeah, that's basically what they say very nicely. Like, hey, we know what you're feeling and what you're saying, but bottle it away and just keep doing what you're doing. And that's where I kind of disappeared for the last year a little bit and purposely did that. It was like, let me, let me restart. I mean, I wrestled in Florida for a couple of places, you know, but I wore like jeans and a t-shirt and that's not to say I didn't care. It's just, I wasn't in it yet. I wasn't mentally there, uh, but I'd go home and, you know, two o'clock in the morning, get all upset because I wasn't where I wanted to be and go on Facebook and be like, bah, 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 bah. and I wouldn't call people out or anything, but it just was an unprofessional look and it just wasn't me. And, uh, yeah, they would just be like, hey, man, I post, take it down, like now. Uh, so the best advice I can give anybody that they've given me is to bottle your emotions and don't tell everybody when good things or bad things are coming and just wait for them to happen and, you know, live in the moment. I like that. Well, Mike, I have a question I'd love to ask all of our guests. Oh, geez. And I hope you're ready for it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Hot tub time machine. Here we go. You can go back in the time to any match in wrestling history. Take somebody out of the match, and you, Mike Orlando, are going in the match. What match is it and why? Hmm. All right. I'm going to probably – that's a good one, man. <laughs> Don't make Let's his say, head get any bigger than it needs to be, Mike. He <laughs> hangs on this right here. This is going to be his claim to fame in pro wrestling. So I'm going to go with, and I'm forgetting what the pay-per-view was, but the first TLC match with the Hardys, Dudleys, and Edge and Christian. And I'm going to replace myself with let's say Matt Hardy and be in that moment. Reason being as a kid, when you bought all the toys and all the new weapons were coming out and all the new figures were coming out with all their new scans and everything. That was my childhood. 
And it was like, that was a thing as a kid. I had to get the new ladders. I had to get the new this. That's innovative. I mean, before that, we're just buying bone crunching figures and nobody cared what they came with because you, you love the characters. Um, at this time, these guys took something, made it unique, branded it, and it made themselves seem larger than life, even though they weren't on the Undertaker scale or the scale of Kate or, or these big guys that look like, and every one of them emerged out of there successful as a singles competitor, as a tag team, as everything they have done, ever done in wrestling, they were successful. Why? Because they got it at the time they knew what it was. And those matches weren't very crazy. I mean, they were for their time, but nothing too dangerous where people would die. But they knew that this would be something that everybody kind of, you know, adhered to. And from you bought action figures uh, that you already had just because it came with a table. Like, when would you say things like, and I, I mean, anybody who was a collector knows, like, this was a thing. Like, you had to have all these tables and all these uh, uh, whatnots as a kid. And whenever you mention wrestling to somebody, okay, 90% of the time they're talking about the Hardy Boys or something like that to you. So I'm going to say that would be the moment because I would like to do something that stood out in that match that nobody else would remember. I mean, instead of just on impact, again, I'm, I'm acting like I'm gloating here, but I stole the spot with uh, Casey Navarro with hanging from the championship belt or whatever and then spearing him off the, you know, the thing. But it would have been cool to be in that moment and actually have done that in that match because now, what is that, 15 years later, people are still doing yeah. it. You know, um, that would be something I would love to go back in time and, and be a part of. And again, it wasn't the main event, but it was remembered more than even the pay-per-view name because I can't remember. I know the logo was green or something. Uh, uh, I thought it was SummerSlam. Was it SummerSlam? For, for, for the first one, I think it was. First one, yeah. Because they had that ladder match or whatever uh, yeah, for the, Terry the, Runnels' time. Yeah, they, uh, right, was it? Oh, the, God. The, the Invitational. It was, it was, yes. uh, it, yeah. it was tits. Yeah, it was the yeah. Terry yeah. Invitational. Yeah. yeah. But then that, but like, look at that. That's including the same kind of stuff. But the chemistry and the ideas and the flowing didn't matter at all in that match because nobody cared where you take that same equipment and you put it with these guys that are super talented and it's the same people, but a different story of people where we're bouncing ideas off of each other and we're, Hey, what do you do? Good. Oh, what do you do? Good. Oh, I could take this really good for you. And you can tell these guys talk like that match. Like Bubba Ray Dudley's Bubba bomb is just a sit, sit out. Okay. But these guys were taking it flipping upside down. You're like, Oh, I would never take that move. You know, and then as you're a wrestler, you do it to somebody and you see the reaction in the crowd. And it's like, why doesn't anybody do this anymore? You know, and I just would love to be part of that. And after working with all of them, you know, I'm on my own in life, their minds are amazing. And it really would have been cool to be part of that flourishing topic at the time, which was TLC. Man, there's so much more meat on the bone. So much more that we would love to get into with you. But I know we are... We are pushed against the clock right now. Mike, um, is there any chance you would definitely take us up on the offer and come back and share more experiences and stories yes. with us? Absolutely. I know uh, my fiance, who's now my wife in a week, uh, Allie Rex, really wanted to get on this as well. But she's a little under the weather right now. Uh, not any of the crazy stuff going on in the world right now. Just something strep throat. But she's sleeping. So when I came home from work, she was already asleep. So we could definitely reschedule and get her on too. I know she has a lot on her mind. Um, she's doing things with Ring of Honor right now, uh, still, even though she's injured. So keeping her thoughts out there would be something she'd love to do. 
We'll let her know we send our thoughts and prayers, and hopefully she gets feeling better soon. And we would absolutely love to have you guys come back on here and and hear more stories. That's what, what this whole thing is about. It's getting to know the people, the people behind the personas and how they feel about all of this. Um, because it's it's such a fascinating world that you guys live in. And it's interesting to know how your experiences dovetail into other things and what leads to other things and how everybody, it seems to be, and, and Rick, you and I have talked about this on the phone, it's six degrees of Kevin Bacon. You take one person and it connects to another person and it connects to another person. You literally all are in this intertwined family. You, you might be first cousins or second cousins or third cousins, but in some way you guys are all tied into each other. And I think that is one of the coolest things. So, yeah, for sure, man. And honestly, I think if anything positive came out of this pandemic is I think a lot of wrestlers came together and realized like, yeah, we almost lost this. I mean, it, we, it was gone for over a year and like now wrestling in a gym in front of 20 people. Awesome. Awesome. We get to wrestle again. It's like, we have more of a sense of appreciation for it. And I think it's caused a little less hate in wrestling. I think there's a lot less, oh, there's a show running by my show this week. It's like, oh, thank God, wrestling's back. You know, and I think that's helping us a lot with the wrestling family. And, and everybody who kind of joins this thing signs on for different reasons, and every reason matters. And the more you interact with people and you find out their why, the how to do it seems a lot easier. What are some things you'd like to plug? Let the audience know right now. Where can they find you on social media? Where can they buy your merch? Where can they buy your wife's merch? All that kind of details. Go ahead. The floor okay. is yours. So at the Big Orlando is my Twitter and Instagram. I'm trying to get the Twitter thing going better, so please follow me on that. Um, Facebook.com slash Elite Athlete. It's old school page there. And then ProWrestlingTees.com slash Elite Athlete. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rex. And at Ali Rex on Instagram and Twitter as well. And that's about all I got on there. <laughs> we will make sure that we push that and we put that on our social media platform so our listeners can go ahead and follow those links. Mike, it has been a pleasure. Hope you have a great rest of your night and we'll talk to you down the road. You too, guys. Thank you so much for this. You Thanks, got it. Mike. All righty. Mike Orlando. Wow, that was really cool. Um, there is... There's something to say about, and, and that's why I give Rit a lot of credit. I mean, we we go after each other and we bust each other's balls and whatnot. But future stars now is something that is so important, and why it's important is because it's not just, hey, here's a autobiographical story of somebody. You know, this is how they feel. This is about what it took. These are the people that they met. And it's so crazy because Jim Molino is a good friend of the show. Jim's talked about his company before. We're going to bring Jim back again. Uh, Jim loves talking about ECW, loves talking um, about old-time wrestling. So it's kind of weird. And then we talked about Mikey and then how Mikey's connections and then New Jersey. And then it's all dovetailing together in this beautiful thing that we call wrestling. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. Just like you said, He's got Jim, he's got Mikey, you know, PPW. It's just all intertwined. And I was looking at, through the guest book and I was putting check marks of, okay, this person knows this person, this person. And I honestly do not think that there is one person that we have interviewed on Future Stars Now that isn't connected some way with someone else. 
Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and it's funny when you said PPW, because you know, that what came to my mind when you were saying that it's okay. a little bit of the PP poo poo honk honk. This is our weekly shout out to uh officer, uh, officer, officer, Erica. Yeah, well, you've been hanging around Boston too much. That, you start getting this accent that, going. They're up two one right now. I'm, like, I saw that look on your face. You're checking over at the iPad, and you're like, exactly. yes, yes. Two-run shot by, by Xander Bogarts, you know. You got you to pay attention. You do. So. This was cool. So, very excited. Mike Orlando, we're going to go ahead and push his um, social media pages as well. Love to get a chance to get his wife on here as well. Love to hear her stories because, man, the more stories you hear, it's just – it. And enhances your wrestling experience because these are stories that you're not going to hear everywhere. And the only place you're going to hear them is right here. Exactly. On uh, front row material or future, future stars now. now. You know what? This right here, this right here, I can't even. No, it's this way. Uh, you're right this, the first time. This is the future CT, if you know what I'm saying. If you can read between the lines, this is what the future of CT is going to be. And uh, you know what? We got more people in the Rolodex. Things are going to continue to be fun, fun, fun. So we are going to step out for a break. And uh, we're going to play a a touching commercial. Yes, it we is, are. It is for one of our guests for next week. I'm excited for him. This is going to be good. This man has been a personal favorite of mine for many years. And he is the Pope, Elijah Burke, next week at 10 o'clock. Let's take a look. The Love Alive Charity is a nonprofit organization founded by professional wrestler, the Pope, Elijah Burke, a college graduate and former Jacksonville Sheriff Officer who was a native to Jacksonville, Florida. The mission of the Love Alive Charity is to give back to the community while aiming to improve the quality of life in greater Jacksonville. Since 2012, the Love Alive charity has positively influenced many people by feeding the homeless, helping displaced families, and restoring faith in disadvantaged communities through humanitarian efforts. Hello, I'm Elijah Burke. With as little of a donation of $1 or more, you can help make a difference in the lives of others. To donate and to learn more about the Love Alive charity, please visit the ElijahExpress.com. If you have an opportunity to donate, I highly recommend it, guys. This is a wonderful charity. Um, Elijah has, has really dedicated a, a good portion of his life to making sure that he can help benefit and make life better for other people. So if you get a chance, please, by all means, check out the link below. And he's going to definitely talk about this more next week. But I think it's awesome. Um, there's some things we know about Elijah that we didn't know before. And um, what were some of those things, Ritzter? Uh, I didn't know he was a county sheriff at one point of his life. You know, that there is something that I would love to sit there and talk to him about. Uh, of course, his professional wrestling career. But just, I would love to know what what got him to go out there and, you know, help everybody. Like, was it something happened in his life? You know, it's just, it's something that you don't see every day that someone's just willing to go out there and wanting to help everybody 
that they possibly can. And it takes a, a certain type of person to be the one to do that. Yeah, I mean, to, to start a charity or a foundation or something like that, in a lot of cases, some of the people that I've known have had things that have happened to them in their life. And they've said, you know what, I don't want anyone else to have to go through something like this. So I want to make sure that I can help them prevent some of the pitfalls that I, I happen to go through. And I think it's a very selfless type of thing. And I think it's great. And I hope a lot of people get a chance to go ahead and go to the website and hear Elijah's message next week at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard and take it to heart um, because, you know, enjoying and appreciating who the Pope is as a professional wrestler is huge. But I think when you realize everything that Elijah Burke, the human being, is, is going to take your fanhood to the very next level. Yeah, if you go back in, into the archives, you know, go on Spotify, go on iTunes, heck, head on over to our YouTube channel. And go back into listen to some of these. It's not like we just talk wrestling. Just to name a, a few that, you know, kind of were like, wow, C.W. Anderson. You know, that interview there, that went to a different level. Uh, Ruby Rays was another one. Like, wow. And I'm sure next week when we sit down with the Pope, it's going to be the same type of interview. No, no, I agree completely. Um, it's weird though, Rit. Like, it's like you talk to somebody, whether it's pro wrestling or, you know, Major League Baseball or whatever. Do you ever find that it kind of starts out, you know, you kind of, you're kind of a homer for them for what they're known for, but then all of a sudden the conversation does take that turn where all of a sudden you start to get to know things and you become invested in them as the person. And it's, I don't know, I've done that with a lot of people that I've gotten to know. And um, I, I mentioned this before, when when I got a chance to spend time with Abyss, we talked wrestling, but man, there were so many other things that he was interested in talking about. I, he, he cares so much about children and he cares about his family and his wife and so many different things. His friends mean the world to him. And it's like, wow, you know, we started having conversations about things that had nothing to do with wrestling, but it got you to appreciate the person even more. Exactly. Uh, for me, I've got to sit there and say it's Jerry Lynn. You know, I just knowing his body of work and then actually getting to sit down, drink a couple of beers with him, talk to him. You know, I enjoy the, you know, texting him. Hey, Jerry, how are you? You know, how's Pam? How, how are the kid? You know, blah, blah, blah. And then on the way to the airport, I've got three, four minutes. I enjoy that stuff, you know, where it's just, hey, ch chatting real quick, you know, getting to, getting to, hey, how's it going? You know, you guys are doing a good job. I appreciate it. You know, that stuff there means the world to me. You know, hearing that from Jerry, hearing that from Mikey, you know, Mr. Humble Ass himself, Mikey Whipwreck. So, and heck, I cannot wait. Not this week. Not next week. But two weeks from now, the third anniversary show. Can you we, believe, can you believe this shit show's been going on almost for three years now, folks? Hey, three years. I remember listening to this. And I'm like, wow. I remember buying a shirt when you guys ran that promotion. Hey. <laughs> well, 
You buy your shirt, we'll get you on the air. Bet. You know, running through, driving through, laughing so hard with Mikey about the handicap guy when he did that impersonation. And I drove, laughing so hard, I drive through this old lady's lawn to the infamous The Eagle Has Landed episode for the MWO merch horror order. The bottle of wine. What happened to the bottle of wine? The bottle of wine was in the box. To uh, you sitting there and asking me to be a part of this. You know, three years. It's a long time. Hey, hey, who can forget about old camel toe? Can't do that. Can't do that at all. Can't forget about that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we, we've talked about the I'm too sexy thing, but Mikey was doing that stuff for Jerry and I off the air and on the air way before he actually cut that song. I mean, he was doing impersonations and all of that kind of stuff. He was telling us stories about ECW way before we finally ended up sharing them on the air. Um, good times. It's hard to believe that three years has, has already happened. And, and I know that, you know, the path of the show has changed a little bit. I know the guys are, are busy doing some things. But the essence of what this is all about, it's about community, it's about telling stories, it's about continuing to relive what ECW is, and um, sharing the enjoyment of wrestling with everybody. Hey, so I'm trying my hardest to make sure Jerry and Mikey are on for the three anniversary. Hey, I, I can't be the only original here. I can't be. These two schmoes better. I tell you what, they better they better extend their bedtime. And they better get their asses on here. Hey, I, I'm i doing everything I can. Trying to get some special challenges to take place. We'll get there. But hey, speaking, speaking we, of getting there. We sit there and do it for these fans. We do. We do it for everybody who tunes in each week and listens. Thank you so much. We have 210 followers on our Twitch channel. We would have never imagined that many people would want to get notified and follow us whenever we go on the air. So thank you so very much. Please let other wrestling fans know that if you are interested in listening to just a fun show, we do this thing once a week. It's only for a couple of hours. Put us on in the background, or you can go ahead and download us each and every Friday, uh, wherever you find your major um, podcasts. We appreciate it. Hit us with some feedback as well. If there's a wrestler uh, that you would like to have on the show, male or female or whatever, let us know. Hit us up, managers, valets, Whatever it may be, we would be more than happy to do our best to reach out to them and see if they have any interest in telling some of their stories on our show. Yeah, on Twitter, I got people uh, sending me DMs. Hey, can you contact such and such? Hey, I, I sit there and throw them a DM, throw them an email. You know, what what is what is slide into the DMs mean? So here I am, here I am trying to. Uh, I'm teaching today, right, Rit? And someone's like, hey, you're trying to slide into my DMs. I have no concept of what that necessarily means. If anybody can tell me, there is lingo now in the middle school world that I am not familiar with. So if anybody can tell me, is, is that a euphemism or is that literally just someone's trying to hit me up? I thought I was out of here. No, no, that's, that's sliding into, into your direct message. That's a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Got it. So, 
Yeah. But hey, enough about you and me. Let's get these band of misfits in here. Let's first go ahead and start off with a man who, I tell you what, Duck Dynasty would be lucky if they could have this man. He's not only talented with the wood, but he's talented with the ducks. Well, well we, speaking, of, speaking of ducks, did you see that? See that stuff? I saw that picture. I saw that picture. Ooh. That picture looked like literally it was a perfect, I mean, like, that was awesome. That picture should be blown up and hung over a fireplace or a mantle. Had the face paint on, which once again, I don't know the, none of the terminology when it comes to this. But it just looked really, really good and uh, so that, happy for him. That was his Barry Windham stalker uh, face paint. Oh, is he, that he, what that was? He, he's, oh. going, he's going as stalker for Halloween. Nice. I like that. I like. I, I would have thought that his uh, fellow Canadian counterpart would probably go as the stalker. Uh, but maybe not. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Let's bring him in. We affectionately refer to him as the ass man. To everyone else, he's just called the butt. What's going on, man? This is it, gentlemen. Another day hanging out with you guys. Been looking forward to it all day. Oh, wow. Life is good. Y- y- your life is, is pretty boring. If I was about to say well, this all I've, day. I've been looking forward <laughs> to hanging out with Freeland. See, he, look at that. Me and the Rit had a conversation, and, well, he's a dickhead. What so. You know what? Hey, you know what I like about the call him as he sees him right there? I tell you what. Mr. Reese yeah. Cup himself. Look at him. He can't get off his phone. No, He's got his little phone. got a little iPad set up watching his little baseball team right there. Um, you know what I'm really intrigued about? That's a sweet looking t-shirt. Uh, go ahead and do the old pincherooski right there so we can see that. That is cool. Is that the who do we got there? Jane oh. White. Oh. We're not talking about you. We're not talking about not this you, shirt. Rip. Fuck off. Nobody yeah. What what who is that, by the way? I don't know. That's a sweet shirt. Those from Pro Wrestling Tees, that mystery bag for 12 bucks. I'll give it a go. That is is a sweet logo. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Does it say who it is? Jay White. Oh, yeah, Switchblade Jay White. Yeah. Nice. I like that. That's a really cool shirt. Didn't cost you 70 bucks, did it? No, it was 12 bucks. Look at that. I don't want the shipping. I don't remember. (laughs) What do we got here? A cheap (laughs) shirt? What do we got here? Yeah, cheaper than my fucking front row, front row material shirt. Hey, they charged me seventy five dollars hey, for shipping. But, but is a different story. But is that shirt wow. from front row material? How comfy is that shirt? It's it's about a seven out of ten. I'm not gonna lie, it's comfy. Now my front row material shirt is like a seventy four out of ten. Wow! See, see there you go. It, it is pretty good. It's a Boogs buddy to hook you guys up with those shirts. Does quality work indeed? What is what is the name of that company again? Ritster. Oh my god! Don't do this to me. Good job. Come on, buddy. Let's give him a plug. Let's give him a plug. Maverick Graphics. Maverick Graphics. Very cool. Is there a website that we can <laughs> that yeah, we yeah. can go to? Go look him up on Facebook. He's on Facebook. <laughs> that is true. He's on Facebook. He on, he's on Facebook. I'm sure the man doesn't want me to put out his his uh, government di- digits out there. Okay, government that's, that's fine. digits. Government digits. I've heard. Oh, geez, you're a mess. You got you got too much Reese running through your veins right now. Hey, hey, got these rally cups from my boys from Section Ten Podcast, Boston based. You're rally insane, cups, baby. Let's go to another man. He's a little crazy. He's a little wild. He may be, he may be just a little on the crazy edge. But you know what? We affectionately love him. He is Anton Heidnick. Anton, what's going on, buddy? It's good to see you. I'm drinking again. 
So I got but a little it, more sleep this week. Tiny bit. I was gonna say last week you you looked you looked like uh, and I'm gonna date myself like I should donate money like for a Sally Struthers video or something like that. You just looked like a wow child. I was up 23 <laughs> hours Sunday into Monday and then 20 hours Tuesday. So yeah, so like I was a zombie. And I you, did 23 more hours on Saturday into Sunday or Friday, Saturday this last weekend too. You were on the Charlie Sheen diet. Down. So Charlie Sheen. Everything's yeah. working out. Well, I'm I'm glad to see that you're okay. And let's go ahead and let's bring in this guy. We haven't seen him in a while. You know what? Let's not do that. Let's leave him for the main event. Let's bring in John Nutsack. Let's bring on John Nutsack. There he is. What's going no, on, buddy? It's John Cutesack. Get it? Oh, John Cutesack. That's right. I'm sorry. Yep. I'm sorry. How, Stop shaking how, your head, Anton. How <laughs> do what I want? I'll do what I want. How nope. uh, how how are you doing right there in the palatial garage that is uh, in Canada? Oh, I'm doing great. You know, I'm I'm afraid all the bosses are gonna, you know, fall on me at some point. But you know, other than that, life is great, Freeland. How about you? You know huh? what? I got I got nothing to complain about. Nothing to complain about. I'm, I'm sure you would. I would. Something. I I would. I normally do complain. But let's do the main event right here. We haven't seen this man in a long, long time. He is our resident professional wrestler. And I'm sure he's got a lot of things to tell us. He's a wonderful human being, and we are so proud of him. It is welcome back, Moondog Murray. Everybody clap it up. All right, Moondog. Hello. Moondog, <clears throat> it's good to see you, my friend. How have you been? I feel like shit. That's why I'm not at practice today. <laughs> uh, you don't got Damn. the Rova, do you? That no, it's sexy. It's, it's allergies. And uh, when I asked, hey, I get my allergies are acting up, can I still come? They're like, no. <laughs> like, no, you stay home. Uh, just, just come see us Thursday. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> well, it's good to see you, man. I mean, so... You are one of those bright spots that you just bring this levity, this is happiness, and uh, it's it's good to hear your voice. So wrestling's been treating you well. I'm a different moon dog from uh, before switching to uh, CSW, so for sure. Well, I was uh, I was talking to the Ritzter, and we kind of have an idea here. I think what we're going to do is we're going to have an episode exclusively. With Moondog Murray. We're going to have a nice sit-down interview with Moondog. We're going to go all up and down the roads with him, hear his stories, and find out everything that is got him into wrestling, everything that has happened with him recently. So, Moondog, is there any chance you'd be interested? Fuck yeah. Just give me the info and details, and I'll be sure to make myself available. We like it. We like okay. it a lot. Next time uh, we have somebody cancels, you're filling in. <laughs> oh, my God. You're terrible. So, Tuesday. You are, oh my god, <laughs> Rit, you are. That wasn't me that time. Uh, but oh, I'm sure boy. you probably let some things slip. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey. Mm-hmm. Damn. Good grief, Almighty. So we got our panel here. Let's go ahead and let's kind of jump right into it here. So many things I want to get to. Uh, I got a little bit of flavor for Liam. I got a little flavor for Anton. I got a little flavor for Mr. Butt, and then obviously I got some stuff for Moondog. Rid, I had nothing left for you, so. Hey, this, I probably won't even be here the whole time. I figured not. Let's go ahead oh. and let's let's start off with a conversation of something that I'm interested in knowing about. 
Maybe you are too. This is called Dicks. <gasps> Roads to the Top with <laughs> Cody and Brandy. Come on, you know we were going to have to do this. We're going to talk a little reality TV. Now, to start out with, I will tell you that I have watched numerous episodes of this. And I'm not typically, you know, the Ms. and Mrs. I'm not into the Bellas or the um, Total Divas or anything to that nature. But I will say that I am very interested in this particular reality show. Um, where obviously it follows Cody Rhodes and Brandy as they are chief brand officer and one of the EVPs of AEW. What their life is like on the road. Uh, what it's like dealing with relationships with the wrestlers uh, behind the scenes and uh, all that kind of good stuff. So we're first going to throw it. Don't even give me that gesture. You jerk off. Let me uh, first throw it over to the ass man. Let me ask you this question. Did you ever get a chance to catch any of this yet? Um, have you seen any clips? What's uh, your take? No, I have self-respect, so I will not be Oh, oh my God. Crap. Wow. Um, sorry, Freeland, but this reality TV... I don't care. I will not watch it. I will never watch it. I've after you sent out the topics, I looked it up a bit. It's not been well received by critics. Take that for what it's worth. A little bit that I have heard about it is Brandy doesn't come off great. People don't fancy her too much. I don't know how much it has from the show or what's going on. I'm not watching it. I, I don't care. I just not, don't. You're not going to be a weekly guy who tunes into it. Am I correct? I'll be a never guy. You'll be a never guy. It's not my thing. Sorry. Oh just, my gosh. I'm not a reality TV person. That's fair enough. But I know a guy who is into reality TV, and that's John Nutsack. Uh, John, tell us right <laughs> now. I mean, I know you've you've seen the show before. Um, you and I have had conversations about this because you do think that Cody is a talented guy. So tell me a little bit about why you think Road to the Top is a good show. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, just fuck. Just the, the, just the fact alone that, you know, Brandy calls herself the chief Brandy officer. Get it, guys? Brandy? <laughs> Brand Brandy? Fuck off. I don't care about that shit. I don't watch that. You watch it. I don't watch it. Fuck it. Well, well, hold on a second. I mean, you have to admit it is kind of. Are you just really look at this? You got people that are just laughing it up because you're shitting all over the AE dub. No, uh -huh. it's not AEW. It's a fucking shitty show. Could have, have been had... Roman Reigns and his wife or something, and he'd be like, "I'm the head of the family," and then all his kids are running around or something. It could be the same thing. I would have been that. That was stupid too, you know. Fuck it. I don't care. Someone's speeding by. I was about to say, there's more police coming after you. Yeah, yep. fold them boxes, you weirdo. All right, Fuck I know you're not going to watch it. Yep. Let's start over no. to Moondog. Moondog, have you had a chance to catch Roads to the Top? Uh, any even clips or full episodes? What's your thoughts? I want to. I have heard... Um, I do know some hardcore AEW fans that have given a shot, and uh, they're, they're like, eh, it's okay. But... I, I want to see it myself, so... <clears throat> Excuse me. Fuck my throat. But, yeah, um... I'd give it a shot, uh, personally. I've been busy with everything else, and honestly, the only thing I've been watching is either Transformers or whatever they're... I've been converting a lot of my Japanese shit to uh, digital, so I've just been watching that in the background. 
Honestly, I got actually I actually have to watch TV. Did you ever get into the? I mean, we're all huge pro wrestling fans, but did you ever get into pro wrestling reality shows like either Hogan Knows Best or Total Divas, Total Bellas, Mister and Ms? Was there ever any of them that you were like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and give this a shot? Uh, Tough Enough and Legends House. Those are the only two, really. Tough Enough and Legends House. Okay. What yeah. what would you say? Would you like it if they would bring Legends House back again? Oh fuck yeah! It's just a bunch of old people being old. It's hilarious. <laughs> they just happen to be wrestlers. <laughs> a bunch of old people being old. That is amazing. Let's go ahead. Oh oh oh! He's in transit right now. Here we go. Let's catch up with this guy. Oh he a, oh, he a coming. How many places can you walk to in a small garage with boxes? Uh, oh, I'm so glad off. you're back joining us. I will. Yeah. Whatever. Um, Legends House. Did you like Legends House? Uh, Moondog just brought up a great topic here. Would you? Did you like that reality show? Uh, it was. It was all right. It, I like. Mean Gene was a horny old man, so it was kind of funny. But yes, other than that, <laughs> I, I don't know. Other than mean that, I, you know, whatever. Yeah, mean, it wasn't that great. Mean, mean Gene did, did walk around, but you got to love Gene though. Gene's one of those guys that. He's just, you cannot not like Mean Gene. He's almost like a Don Rickles. Uh, I, I've always been a big Don Rickles fan before. Um, love Johnny. Yes. Love me some Johnny Carson. Um, Jonathan yeah. Winters is another great guy who I thought his timing yeah. was really good. Um, let's go there, over to Anton. When it comes to reality shows, when it is relating to professional wrestlers, is any of them really stand out to you? Like, I'll watch. You don't really seem like you're that, like, you're not that. Oh, this is trendy, so I'm gonna watch it. You're you're kind of like you walk to your own beat. But would yeah, you watch reality if it's wrestling? So I used to watch Hogan Knows Best back in the day because, like, during its initial run, I was in like in the sixth grade, and it's before I hit my total walk to the beat of my own drum. Fuck every trend, whatever. A buddy of mine pointed out the other day. He's like, "You're a punk rock hipster. You are the anti-trend of everything, but you do most things before they're a trend." And I was like, "Yeah, oops." But so I've caught part of this actually just leaving AEW on and then it comes on afterwards while I'm getting ready. And uh, I don't watch reality TV survivor back in the day. Amazing race back in the day. Hogan's knows best occasionally. Uh, yeah, not, not a trend fucking writer or reality TV. Cause I know it's all bullshit, you know, especially listening to Bischoff talk about it. But uh, I agree with fucking Liam's comment about the chief brandy officer. Like I like bad puns, but fucking so hey, that's cute. An awful pun. That's an awful so pun, dude. And I agree with Butt. Just like, no, the Legends House is good. I've got bits and pieces of that. Mean Gene's great. I love fucking old dudes just being horny ass old dudes. You either love <laughs> them or you don't. You know, it's like Jake Roberts. You know, you just accept him as he is or fuck off. You know, Pat Patterson, same thing. If they could find certain legends to do it again, I'd at least give it a shot again. You know, because at least that's at least slightly funny. You know, old dudes are old dudes. They don't give a fuck. So, and but yeah, I don't fucking give a shit about reality TV. You know this. You called that. Like, you entirely called that. So, I'm not even mad. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling that probably yeah. wouldn't be one of my most popular topics. But here's the funny thing. You got to bring some of these things up. Because if I didn't, then somebody would say, oh, hey, Freeland, how come you never brought up a Brandy and Cody show? Um, Nobody would have. Yeah, you would have. You would have. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just not my cup of tea. I'm sure there's a lot of people watching, and they probably think it's good. 
Mm. Some people yeah. enjoy reality television. I'm not that guy. It doesn't. If think... I'm going to watch reality television, it's going to be like a hunting show. That's reality. This is true. Uh, let's not go ahead. Some nonsense. But it's just dumb. Um, ECW fan, so is, fan is very happy that Moondog is back. Once again, we all agree with that. Uh, welcome back, Moondog. Mitchie Blaze has a great comment in here. He goes, what would the legends be? Uh, what legends would be used in 2021? So this is actually a really great topic here. So all of us get to pick one legend that we would throw into okay. a house from any promotion, from any point in time. <clears throat> who would you pick? We're first going to start off with Anton. Anton, one legend we're throwing in a house. Remember, we're making good TV here, so let's pick somebody very unique. Either Stone Cold or Kevin Nash. Oh, <laughs> and that's, I don't know why, but instantly Nash that's what comes great. to mind. Stone Cold or Kevin Nash. Either way, fucking hilarious. Stone Cold is a lot more, I guess, laid back and, and I guess conservative than I thought he would be in some ways. He smokes weed now and doesn't drink. Like He quit drinking by smoking medicinal weed and totally attributes that to how he's living his life and doing better. And I'm all... I thought sad. he debunked that. No. Didn't he? It's, I've I've heard it. I don't know. I, I heard he was still a big drinker, so I, I I'm sure knows. he still drinks some, but not Probably like not seltzer. like when he quit, like when you know he had to retire and shit, you know, or back when he was on the road all the time. I don't think it's like that anymore, you know. But he lives in Vegas and fucking California, Cheers. so I would not be surprised about the medicinal marijuana. Uh, ECW fan throws out here. Obviously, Terry Funk would be interesting. Um, under good conditions, obviously, if Terry, you know, had the ability to be, I think he would be great. Um, just because I think he just this relaxed, easygoing, you know, uh, Texan on there, but also, um, New Jack. <laughs> back in the day, would you throw New Jack into a house with a bunch of other people? Probably Not back in the day, yeah. Okay, so if we're doing Legends House, let's say, okay, so we're going to go with New Jack. So if we threw New Jack in a Legends House and we had to have him be a roommate with somebody, who do you think would New Jack would be a good roommate with? And why is the answer Vic Grimes? I was going to say not Vic Grimes, but there we go, Freeland. We're on the same page, buddy. There we fucking go. They're going to be bunk buddies. Vic Grimes and New Jack, they got to share a room together. Someone's going to die. Someone's okay. Yeah. What about what about okay? So if we're okay, let's say Vic Grimes isn't available. What about Balls Mahoney? Do we think Balls Mahoney might be a good pick for a new Jack roommate? He's fun as fuck, but again, those two hate each other. Hate each other it, it towards would, the end. It would be great. Hey, Mister Butt, where oh. does this end up on our uh, zone scale? <laughs> you know, New Jack, anytime. Uh, <laughs> He goes immediately, you know, immediately to, to the red. Ill of the deceased, but right, and he's dead. He, he was a little out of control. Right? He was. Can we all agree on that? I think we, we can that? agree. No, just, just great, great gentleman, upstanding citizen. Yeah, very low key. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Uh, ECW fan says sure. we we actually would need a new color for New Jack. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on that for next week. We'll see what we I like it. With. All right, so Legends House. So, okay, I'm going to throw it to Anton for a follow-up. What do you got? Here we go. Uh, the Extreme Collector, who's a buddy of Liam's, who I follow on Instagram, who posts yes. all kinds of T-shirts and et cetera. 
He bought an original coat from New Jack. And you know what was in the pocket of said coat? Cocaine? Yes, it was. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yes, Did was. he do you it? You can't beat that. i got to ask him. I don't know. You'll have to ask him. But, yeah, he found cocaine. I'll ask him after the show. Don't worry. Yeah. Would you would you go to Hobby Lobby and like and like get some type of like what do they call it, shadow box and put New Jack's Hobby co- Lobby. What's Hobby cocaine Lobby, yeah. in there? It's a store for crafts like Michaels. Um, um, I have a shadow box behind me. Yeah, it's a shadow box. Go ahead and show them the shadow box. Let's do that. A shadow box is like a, a picture frame, but it's got some depth to it, and you I can know put what a different shadow stuff. boxes. I'm not a dumbass. I know. Uh, well, what the heck? That's beautiful. That's awesome. And who is that in tribute to? My buddy Jackson Augustus Lewis, who we all called Augie, who took his own life last year. This is a punk vest he gave me when we were 13 that I've redone. I don't know how many times once he passed away. I just put it in a box. And uh, that was one of his favorite musicians he showed me that I have a patch of. And I could no longer wear this vest after he uh, passed away. So I took his memorial plaque and put it in here. And along with the vest in the intention of doing a new one. That's awesome. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Very awesome. Um, wait, wait a minute, bud. Let's get to something here. I wasn't, I wasn't implying that you guys did not know what a shadow box was. I was, I was saying, uh, talking about a Hobby Lobby or a Michaels. Moondog, help me out here. Um, you, Hobby we Lobby. Have do you have a Hobby Lobby in your neck of the woods? Yeah, we got Hobby Lobby. So how would you, <laughs> how would you describe yeah, Hobby Lobby? We got Hobby Lobby. <laughs> We do. Fuck you. My throat hurts. <laughs> we got a Hobby Lobby. It, they just they sell crack. They like uh, they sell like, crack. They sell crafts. You, oh you my sew, god! Crack cocaine. Like sewing, yeah. great. Hot glue, yes. Holy Fucking shit! Fabrics. <laughs> it, if you're into that shit, they got it. That is your place to hit up. Wow. Here in the U U O S A or U old USA. This is fantastic. That's it. You're done. Whatever's I've been on in that jar. And Bacardi and Coke all day. Holy cow. I believe it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> ECW fan. Oh, this is great. They sell crafts in the front, crack in the back. You can't beat they that. probably do. Oh Especially the one God. in Rockford. Watch out for Rockford, man. Yeah. I got a red bandana, and I think, oh, this is cool. Then I realize I don't live far from Rockford. I'm not wearing that. <laughs> Who fucking knows what could happen? No. Okay, so so let's throw this up here too. So we're talking about the reality show stuff. If you're just tuning in right now, and we are designing our own legends house, and we're deciding who's going to be bunking with who in what room. So in room one, we are going to have New Jack and either Vic Grimes um, or Balls Mahoney. So that's in room one. Balls. Room room two, we are going to have Jim Cornette. Who's going to be Jim's Cornets? Uh, okay. Who's going to be Jim's roommate? We're going to throw it to Liam. Um, his roommate would be Vince Russo, so he could beat him to death. Yes. Fuck yes. Fuck Vince Russo. Russo. Yeah. Vinny Rue. Is there anybody else that Jim just, just... Or what happens if we did this? How about we did this just to bring the worlds together? Kenny Omega... Oh, and Jim Cornette. Good God. I think <laughs> I think at the end of the day, Kenny could really kind of nope. show Jim a little bit nope. different side of pro wrestling. Nope. I think it would work. Nope. Not a no. Would that be no way in hell. Is that gasoline on the fire? 
Probably. He'd be Prissy prancing around so much that he, you oh, know, okay. would get we're not, too we're not talking about Prissy prancing anymore. Not about the greatest pro wrestler in history. Good gosh. You are, I mean, in your opinion, sure. That, right? All right. So we got we got Jim Cornette, and it's either going to be Vince Russo or potential. If it's another wrestler, who would it be? Who is somebody uh, that Jim Cornette can shreds? Nick. Oh. I was gonna say Nick Gage. Nick Gage. Was, but, oh fuck, fuck him! Yes, I was gonna say fuck Nick him. Gage. That would go splendid. Nick yes. Gage and Vinny Rue. Nick Gage and Vinny Rue. I tell you what, that may be what did awesome. You just say Liam? Yeah. What the bank addicted, bank addicted drug robber? Drug robber? Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. here, here's be a here'd be a good room. Oh, my God. Why? Why do you live in a crime-infested neighborhood? I don't. Why, I why do don't. I feel like you live in Haddonfield, Illinois right now? Oh, my God. Oh, I know this exactly what you're state. talking about, too. Great. No, I, on, I don't right. live in a bad area. Hey, why is I don't live in the dog's hatch like across the street. You well, time out. Scarborough. Turn your camera around. No, so we actually, turn your camera around. Is the cop car still there? Oh, my God. What is that? Is that an ambulance? What the hell yeah, is it's, that? it's an ambulance that's way too big. It's it's this uh, van my brother bought to live in. So, Is there a river nearby? <sighs> no, Chris Farley. There's not a river nearby. Let's go ahead and let's start with Anton. Anton, so um, so Nick Gage, Jim Cornette, slash Vinnie Rue, potentially. Oh, uh, we're going to throw it back to Liam. Oh. We got breaking news. Woo! What's going on here? Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Fuck yeah. I can't. I I don't understand this. This is not. Are you guys on lockdown or something? Should you put nope. the garage door down or? Oh jeez! Is it the put purge? it down? No way, man. The purge. I get some air in here, or I'm gonna die. Then who are you no gonna problems. have on here? You may die anyway no, before no the problems. show's Fuck over. Fuck off! Oh no. my god! <laughs> All right, so we got two rooms booked right now. We need a, a third room. room. I have a positive room. We don't want positive rooms. Do we want a positive yeah, we room? we do. Michael okay. and Jerry Lynn with the Sinister Minister. Okay. All right. We could put those three in a room. I think they could be that galvanizing thing that kind of takes some of the heat away from everybody else. Exactly. I like exactly. that. One room of fucking fun and positivity. I like that. still liable to end up in a clusterfuck. This is very true. I was going to say if it was like positive for hepatitis, it'd be Gage and Abdullah the Butcher, but. Wow. And uh, the blood. And Hannibal. Yeah, there we go. Uh, can't forget Hannibal. Nope. You guys. Hannibal would be in the room with them and he would enjoy it and he would live in there with them and have a good time and everything would be good because he's from Canada and this is how he talks and we all sound like this, like a stereotype. Wow. Uh, ECW fans said Mikey and Tajiri, so can we, if we can just throw Tajiri in that room as well, fuck it. Well, we can have sinister... bunk beds, two sets of bunk beds. I was just about to say you could have Mikey and Jerry on one side, Tajiri and Sinister Minister on another. What would be another oil and water combination that if we literally, it would just be the perfect shit show storm? William Regal hates Tajiri, so just throw Regal in with that whole fucking group we just listed. That room just keeps getting bigger and bigger, doesn't it? It's Alex it. Riley and the Miz. I don't know. There we go. Out, but this is legends. No, and John Cena. Sorry, not the Miz. John Cena. This is legends. Yeah, but Alex Riley's not a legend. Are you fucked? No, Alex Riley. What universe? Alex Riley. Really? Yeah. A Ry. 
the fucking Shane best man. Bedless and any member of the clique. Oh, Anton, who? Shane Douglas and any member of the clique. Michael's yeah, Waltman, uh, Pac, or Michael's, Michael's Waltman, Nash, Hall, Hunter. How about uh, Scott Steiner and Triple H? There we go. By the way, not to, not to speak ill of Scott Steiner, but um, I'm not a big fan of Scott Steiner. I'll just leave it at that. Cool. But I like his bringing that up. People you could throw into a room and something entertaining to happen. Yeah, I want to see they I want to see Sparks. There, there's something between the two of them. Triple H and Scott Steiner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's Scott Steiner doesn't know basic uh, English, math, no, uh, c- civility, anything to that nature. Who else really does not doesn't doing like each other? American <laughs> educational system. Well, you know what? And you're gone. See? You knocked the American education system. You, you guys have an education system you, there? You foreigner. Oh, my God. Holy fuck. Um, let's throw some women in here. Let's, let's go ahead and let's throw some women in here. What? A little, a little on what? the trifling side. Yes. Trifling? Uh, trifling. Like dessert? No, not yet. Truffle. Yes. Yeah, trifle. exactly. No, trifle. That, that's perfect. Go fold a box. Uh, let's go ahead and let's go start. Go fold the a box. Right. What do we think? What do we think could be two women that might be, uh-oh, this is not going to go well? Sunny, Sable, and if she wasn't dead, I'd say Lou. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> Motherfucker. Yes. Were you gonna yeah, say Sunny and Sable? Yeah. <laughs> on a scale of on a scale of one uh to James E, how much do they hate each other? James E. Yeah, it's bad. That's beyond James E, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, what about Tessa Blanchard? Uh we've learned that Tessa Blanchard recently was She's signed. Like anybody. To the oh my god, is Tessa Blanchard? Are, are we ready to move past this Tessa Blanchard thing? Let me throw the lead. I was ready are to move ready? back past to the next day. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get it. Some people don't get along. I understand some things aren't that right, but you know what? Do we think we need to move past this? Let me throw it to the other Canadian. I don't know a heck of a lot about her, but she doesn't seem like a good person. Oh, and, and considering Liam's on the show, not can put up with him. How bad of a person? What's Blanchard be if I think she's a bad person? What this is true yeah, because he, you you really do not like Liam Savage. Nope. No, not a chance at all. Or me. Think how I, much he fucking yells at me. We all like Moon Dog. We all like Moon Dog. Moon Dog. Let me ask you this question true. here: Who do you think would be yeah. two people that would be just uh oh if they're sharing a hotel room together? <laughs> not all at once. Not all at once. <laughs> Okay, hold on. I know I put you on the cool. spot. And you got I know. I put him we are treating Moondog so poorly on his first night back. Moondog, what what's your thoughts? He muted himself. And you muted yourself. Yep. You muted. You are muted. How did yes. I do that? <laughs> By hitting the mute button. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I couldn't yeah. think of it. Everyone named uh, everyone named the best ones. What about uh, John? What about Big John Stud and Andre the Giant? Lock those two guys up in a room together. Andre with anybody that's taller than six five. Yes. Much. Andre has the reverse of the Napoleon complex, and that's why I didn't like Andre. Everybody feared Andre, like he's just this whatever. Okay, he's tough, but at the end of the day, I'm quite sure in a real fight, Andre could get his ass whipped by somebody if they really wanted to. Trust me. He wasn't that fast. Yeah. Punch him in the balls. Wow. No, I mean, just, people, just straight people up. Just say too much, 
people to it had too much respect for him. That's why. Well, when you're seven wine. feet tall and 500 pounds, if he gets his paws on you, he's going to dummy you. Right. I dragged all the shit out of you. It's always going to happen. Well, I love this story. Uh, Johnny, was I think it was Andre's last um, Japan tour. He ended up across the ring from Johnny Ace and a couple guys. And um, somebody was ribbing him. Somebody was ribbing Johnny Ace. But like they pretty much tell him, hey, go chop Andre. Sure shit, uh, jo- Johnny Ace chops him, and Andre just had this look, and Ace realized everyone in the ring is going, oh, fuck, and laughing. <laughs> and they found out, he found out that uh, Andre don't do chops, and uh, Andre proceeded to beat the fuck out of him. That's not good. <laughs> Isn't that the, the tag team with Baba he had or something? Mm-hmm. I think it was that No, he was teaming with Baba. Johnny might have been teaming with Kobashi. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it might have been Kobashi fucking with Johnny. <laughs> Kobashi, love, right, Freeland? You know him. Mm-hmm, no I love the idea, because like Kobashi's <laughs> known as like the nicest fucking guy, so I love this yeah. idea of him being devious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Two notes. One, uh, ECW fans said add Don Marie and Francine to the mix, which oh. ooh, I'm all for. And Kinky. so to our bouncer friend, Mr. Butt, if you had to deal with a man the size of Andre, like you just said, being ragdolled around, I'm 5'5". Five, five. I am like 130 pounds sucking wet. I know if Andre the Giant got his hands on me, he would kill me. That's why I said just punch him in the nuts. You, Mr. Bouncer Man, former Bouncer Man, what the fuck would you do? I'd yeah. be dumb enough to try to go heads headlong and get mm-hmm. dummy. That's what would happen there. Would you rather fight a 10-foot tall Andre or 10 uh. 5-foot tall Andres? <laughs> what? <laughs> How much have you had to drink? Holy shit, right, man! Just... <clears throat> I'm fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> that look on his face. I'm fine. You're pouring doubles, doubles all night. That's so okay. what, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you on just on allergy medication, or you have a prescription, or what do we got here? Uh, Nyquil and Bacardi and Coke. Nyquil, yes. That's <laughs> see, that's a problem. <laughs> Nyquil and Bacardi and Coke. You're oh sleep well my tonight, sweet but... baby! I'm gonna Jesus. wake up clear. I'm gonna wake up clearer than before. <laughs> yeah, oh my sure God. you will. Yeah, clear. Sure. Wow. I wouldn't wow. even do that. Fuck. Uh, gosh, we, we, we pretty much filled out a lot of these, these rooms here. Uh, is there one more room we can think of? Just two people that we want to put in a room together that would be a great reality show. What do we got? Owen Hart and Mick Foley. Oh, that'd yep. be great. Oh, yeah. they would be lovely. Owen and Bulldog, honestly, because those two would fuck with everybody. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to you got to throw a little bit of of happiness into this whole quandary as well. The It'd dynamite nonsense kid? with the pair of them. What was that? It'd be pure nonsense with the pair of them. Yes, oh, yeah. two of them together just be foolishness and nothing vile, nothing bad, just nonsense, hilarity, laughing, carrying on. It'd be great, good for the soul. I agree, but also the dynamite kid. And whatever fucking Rojo brother he got into a fucking dispute with. Jacques. So it was Jacques. It was Jacques, yeah. I want to see a murder on TV. Actually, I put him wow. in with Raymond because he was a professional boxer. Raymond would, that would have been good. him. Yeah. Dynamite was a piece of shit, so fuck him. He had his issues. No. <sighs> 
Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Interesting topic. Uh, let's go ahead and let's jump to another topic that we have here. You know, it's often from time to time I come up with ideas that I think are going to be good topics for discussion. Then there's other ones that I think might not be so great. But because this is coming up and this is um, this is blood money. What what round oh. is this? Blood money round five? Six. Six. <coughs> Whatever. All of 2020. So. All right, so let's talk about this real quick. Everybody who doesn't know what blood money is, it is also known as Crown Jewel. Um, poor Mr. Khashoggi. Uh, the card that's going to be coming up here, I'm going to read it to you. It's going to be Mansoor versus Mustafa Ali, uh, the queen of the King of the Ring finals and the King of the Ring finals. Raw Tag Team Championships, Randy Orton and Matt Riddle are going to be taking on AJ Styles. And is this his name, name pronounced Amos? Almost. 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 Okay. Almost. And yeah. He's almost fit to watch. <laughs> Close. Uh, we got women's SmackDown Championship, Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks versus uh, Bianca Belair in a triple threat, which is interesting enough because originally they were not going to let any women wrestle. There's a lot shows. of women on this card. There are a lot of women on this card. Uh, we actually have a Hell in a Cell match, which is going to be Edge versus Seth Rollins. Um, we have a WWE Championship match, which is Big E and Drew McIntyre. Um, we have No Holds Barred. Whoosh, boom, 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 boom. Goldberg takes on Bobby Lashley. And in the main event, it's going to be Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. Now, here's one thing I'm going to ask you guys. Uh, if you had Peacock, if you had Peacock, would you... Watch it because this is not a terrible card by any stretch of the imagination. If you had nothing else to do and you were just like, hey, I have it. I'm going to watch it. Let me throw it to Moondog first. Moondog, would you watch this card? Look at any crown jewels. All of them are good. They're good cards because like they're, they got to entertain um, their WrestleMania caliber cards of, uh, yeah, that are pretty much requested by um, the Prince. So they got to put on a pretty lit show for the guy being he's paying him. What? What was the number? Like 50 million or something. 50 million How for much? 10 years. Like 50. Oh. Like wow. they got to put on a good card. And I bet you the shows are great. It's just the reason there's oh, there's a lot no. of like political political reasons. People don't want to watch them. Uh, and, you know, um, it is what it is, unfortunately, with Saudi Arabia. Um, but no, like the cards are fun. I remember Greatest Royal Rumble. That was actually super fucking fun to watch, even though you know. But then by show two, that's when it kind of started going downhill. With uh, uh, was it the reporter or whatever? We won't get. We won't go any further than that. If you know what I'm talking about, but yeah, that's uh, no. The shows are probably good. It's gonna be a probably great show. They usually are. Oh. It's going to be starting at uh, noon, uh, 12 Eastern Standard Time. If you live anywhere else in the world, I got no clue. But for the rest of us, 12 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, so the event uh, that WWE is holding with the Saudi government is going to be paying WWE $50 million for each event. And mm -hmm. WWE and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia have agreed to a 10-year deal for two, two shows per yeah. year. It's going to run all the way to 2020. You do the math. You do the math. How much they're getting paid? $500 million. Is, Is it, it right? Debatable. 
But they have to do it. (laughs) Wait a minute. It's a lot of oh, so wait a minute. Fifty million a show times two, so that's a hundred million a year. Hundred million a year times ten times ten. That's like it's a billion. A billion dollars. A billion dollars. I'm sorry. A billion dollars. That's why I uh, would sell myself for a billion dollars. They're wiping their asses with white cats over there. They don't even care. That bullshit. I don't care. That's a lot of money. They are the poor cats. Poor kitties. <laughs> meow meow, shitty kitties. All right, bubbles. Fucking right. Get the fucking <laughs> kitties. Wipe your ass with them. <laughs> the fucking Sam Squanch. What is the What is the name of the cat off of? Uh, oh god, it was it originally Trailer was. Park Boys. It was what? Trailer that Park Boys. That's Park what Boy. we were making um, we impressions of. Oh yeah. no, I was talking about. Um, Oh my gosh! It was the. It's it was a fucking the, Sam Squanch, Ricky. It, it was the cat off of Mister Rogers' Neighborhood went with, with the train, and now oh, turned fuck. into Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. I know what you're talking because they killed off Fred Rogers. Is that what they did? Yeah, yeah they they shot him in the head. Right. What Tiger King. <laughs> Mr. Rogers the dark, the Tiger King. Oh, Daniel the Tiger King. This is fantastic. <laughs> speaking of that, this is on a complete tangent. You know they're coming out with a another Tiger King. Yeah, they better. I've they never are. seen any of it. You Why? should Why? hold on. You should at least watch it, Liam. It's a good show. No, it's good. the biggest fucking trick. It is the no, craziest storyline. You couldn't write this. I mean, in in some ways, I thought it was written because it was so. Farcical. It was so out. Yes. Anyway, yeah. long story short, let's go. Let's it go. came it at so a great time too, because like you that's would, when everyone was first in lockdown. <laughs> you would think it was filmed in like the Sioux. That's how messed oh. up it is, Liam. Oh, okay. I think I got gotcha. you. Sioux Saint Marie, just a shit show. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> oh, I oh, thought God. you were... <laughs> when you when you said the Sioux, I thought you were meaning like the Sudan. Okay. Yeah, oh, it's it was filmed in the Marie. Sudan. Yeah, thanks for your Come back next time. You mentioned a guy with a white guy oh, with a ball in the man. Sudan. <laughs> they they uh, filmed Tiger King in the Sudan. Next up, the Congo. I'm sure right, he won't say anything racist. That'd be great. The dude looks like a WCW Saturday Night Jobber. And he does. I think I tagged everyone in a post about that at one point, Mikey and Jerry included. He was in wrestling. He was a. I think he was like. I think he funded a, a a southern promotion for like the NWA or some shit. A fucking who didn't? Who didn't? <laughs> oh yeah, Valid. that's true. A lot of people did. Valid. Yeah. So out of all of the matches that we have, so Brock versus Roman, Biggie versus Drew, Goldberg Lashley, Seth versus Edge, the Women's Championship, the Tag, the King of the Ring Finals. Uh, is there any match if you were to watch? And I know, you know, some of you may or may not. What would be a match you would watch? Let's first start off with the happiest man on earth. Probably Ali and uh, Mansoor. That's his name, right? Mansoor. We're going to move on to a real wrestler. Who would you like to watch? I'm not a wrestler. You're, if you're going to watch. Well, hold on. Time out. That's not exactly correct. Because fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck wait you. Wait a minute. Fuck you. you. You're Nothing not about technically... a year. Go fuck yourself. However,. You know, he was training to become a wrestler in 1999. <laughs> Fuck All right, off. Krusty the Clown. Once right, again, te- hold on. Refresh the audience who may not be aware. Why did you decide not to uh, become a wrestler in 1999? What was the reason again? 
because I knew I had to come on this show and uh, carry you guys each week. That's why. Whoa! Hey. <laughs> oh my gosh! Want. Duck Dynasty carry has a rebuttal guys. to that. What do you have to say about that? Oh, I'm in the red zone. Carry my nutsack yep. on your chin. How about that? He just said he's going to put. Uh, I'm not into that. Sorry. I'm flattered, but no, thank you. No, thank you. No, no. I don't yeah, play I that way. I do. I know you do. Yes, you, <sighs> you might so, enjoy it, but. You Let's get back. Hold on, Don Cutesack. Right. Let's get back to the original question. Yeah. What match are you most interested in watching, Moondog? Which match would you say, of all of them, this is the one I have to see? My out of focus webcam. Uh, Ali and is it Mansoor or is it somebody yes. else? Ali okay. and Mansoor. Because only they're, they're... because I'm biased though, because Ali is a Steve Boz guy, which is my trainer who also trained him. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Thanks a lot for trying to screw me up on that, Liam. Wouldn't you know it? They're fucking amazing wrestlers. They are amazing. I would love to. I would love to see that match. They're probably going to tear it down. But now they're they're both hometown guys, though, right? They're both no, uh, no. no. Ali is from Chicago. (laughs) Close. Mansoor is probably from Indiana or something. Who knows? Hang on. His ethnicity. I think he's. Hang on. I don't want to say it wrong. It's like an asshole. Greek, right? No. He's <laughs> not Greek. <laughs> I just. I thought... can't type. I almost put Muhammad Ali. <laughs> oh, my God. He was from Kentucky. Wow. He almost put Muhammad Ali. Hey, guys, that's why. Please do not mix. Do not He's mix. From, nice he was born in Bolingbroke. Damn. That's and uh, Bacardi and Coke. Where is he from? Hold on. He's from he's from Chicago. His ethnicity is, I believe, he's uh, yep. uh, Pakistani. He's Pakistani. Okay, hold on. Before everyone jumps me for not being culturally sensitive here, the reason why they put him on the one card was because he was the hometown guy. Wasn't there a hometown guy that won, and then there was a big deal? Yeah, it was. Get, it yeah. was. Yes, he yeah. was a hometown guy. Yes. Yeah, I re- he wasn't on the uh, Mus- Ali wasn't on like one of the original ones because of the whole he, Pakistani thing. He's Pakistan about his hometown as, No, but he's about his hometown as like Jinder Mahal is to uh, India because he's from Canada. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's <laughs> from Canada. So what the fuck? You know, it's like oh, the same one, kind of deal. He's one of you guys. Yes, yeah. we have a lot. Canada of people has here. a huge Indian population. Yep. Nice. Has a huge yeah. Yeah. Mansoor is uh, Saudi Arabian. Uh, Saudi Arabian is Arabic. Yeah, there's like, uh, yeah, one of the cities around here, Brampton. It's nicknamed Bramladesh because there's so many Indian people. So. Wow, that's not fucked not up aware. at all. <laughs> I didn't name it. I know. I, I got a few areas here in town that are uh, called something fucked up because of minorities. The three Sorry. of us. The three of us live in the United States. The two of you live in a foreign country. So I was going to say on the note of the fucking Crown Jewel shit, I hate Crown Jewel because of like Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement and wanting Austin to come out of retirement who does not want to come out of retirement. No amount of fucking blood money is going to get certain shit done. That's the shit that killed the fucking Fiend with the losing to fucking Goldberg. The only match that sounds cool so far to me is the fucking Hell in a Cell match. I respect Moondog's opinion for the fucking Ali being trained by the same guy he is currently being trained by. So that's awesome and fine. Short of that, there Let's we go. Move on. So that is the crown. Hey, jewel we're already card, off the cliff. Kids. Fuck. It's <laughs> that's the crown jewel card. So let's go ahead and let's move on uh, from Fuck the card. Crown, 
from the ground to the card. And, uh, oh, my gosh. Let's go ahead and let's move on to our, our next topic. Uh, I think this one is going to make people very happy. This one was the Dark Side of the Ring, Luna the Sean. And I watched this episode twice uh, just because I thought it was really good. A lot of times when you watch something, you end up missing something the first time you watch it. So you replay it again and you watch it and you make sure you pay attention to the certain nuances. The first thing I would like to say is I am not up to date with my Luna Vachon uh, knowledge as I should have been. And their contributions that she made to the industry, how she got into the industry, um, that she was a part of, of a really important wrestling family, but that women back then were not really spotlighted and highlighted and showcased for their abilities. Nope. But then we also kind of got right back into that whole moolah thing. And and I thought that we had kind of moved away from that. But this whole moolah thing, there's more to it than meets the eye. Liam, as much as moolah is what a lot of people consider a legend, right? And she's trained a lot of people, et cetera, et cetera. Do we really think moolah is really should be revered and thought of in such a high regard for now? The, a lot of the things that we're finding out that she did with a lot of her trainees. Uh, you hear more bad than good about her, unfortunately, so that can probably lead you down the right path to truth. Uh, I mean, she's got her place, right? But, yeah, the amount of shit you hear about Mula is just... Uh, but, you know, and, and it, it's... Just regarding the episode, it, it's, it was sad in a lot of ways mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, Luna, she came from a, like, real shitty upbringing. And, yes. um, you know, with just you know, with everything that happened to her dad and, and growing up and then, you know, trying to get in the industry, but then having her, her aunt abuse her and all sorts of stuff. It was just it's fucking terrible. And it just seemed like she was always just trying to find the right side of life and she could never quite grasp it because of all her mental health stuff. And, uh, but she was, uh, I remember seeing her back in the day and she was like, she stood out because she was so different, you know? Yep. She wasn't she wasn't like um, you know, supermodel framed as a wrestler and she wasn't um you know, just a super athletic uh you know, dynamo or anything. It was like she was just she was just completely eccentric and you know, just right off the page and everything. So, you know, I appreciate that about her. But uh she never fully got a fair shake, I guess, because of all those attributes. And if it was these days, like they were saying in the, in the episode, if it was these days, man, she'd be fucking flourishing. Imagine Absolutely. her, like, mm -hmm. imagine her just on any roster right now. She'd just be going fucking nuts. It'd be great. But you know, it just, it just sucks. She came up when she did, but uh, she was a trailblazer for sure. Uh, sort of a moon dog. Uh, did you get a chance to see the episode? Yeah. What was some super, of your thoughts on that? Super sad. Yeah. <clears throat> great episode though. Cause, uh, you just hear about what what kind of person Luna was. It was a big, almost like a big mental health awareness one thing too, uh, for Luna, because uh, like a lot of the the subject that kept coming up with her was her uh, mental health and like everyone. Did you see like anybody had a bad uh, thing to say about her either? Uh, it's funny though. Uh, oh God, I think it took like a good couple years in my fandom learning about like DVDs and shit. And uh, seeing Luna, I actually had a crush on her when I was like a teenager. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I I love I love Luna. Like she's legit one of the best out there. And 
thing about the Moolah shit is she trained like 90% of the wrestlers you see out there from back in the day were trained by Moolah because I think they even said the episode she pretty much ran the women's industry in a way and she controlled it. So if you weren't in with Moolah, you weren't really in at all, unfortunately. And, uh, oh God, there was something about Luna. Uh, I, I love the story Medusa told. Where Medusa's like, fuck it, I don't give a shit anymore. Luna, you're beating me for the title. And Luna just couldn't do it. Like, legit. They were, gonna, they were going to uh, just say, Wait. fuck it. Moolah's going to drop the belt to Luna in Canada. And Luna's like, no, uh, I can't do it. Because, like, had she got fired, had Moolah got fired for it, Luna wouldn't have been able to forgive herself for it. That's why she didn't do it. And um, I think the fucked up part was when they cut to Paul Vachon. And um, they asked him about Luna being, you know, sexually assaulted because Luna's had made uh, claims that she was. Um, Paul Paul's thing was, oh well, they wouldn't have done that because of her name, which is no, that's uh, sketchy. Yeah, that's. I think that's him just looking the other face. way because, like, yeah. there's no fucking little. Regardless what your name is, it sucks because like, but that was back in the day too. Like people, people took advantage of each other. They still do, unfortunately. Yeah, I believe. But it. regardless of who you are, because like, you know, so that was pretty sad to see. Paul looks like in rough condition too, so that was sad. But like, at least he's moving, I guess. But barely, yeah, barely. <laughs> they had to subtitle him too because you had no idea what the fuck he was saying. Um. But the episode was great. Highly recommend. Gangrel came off amazing on it. He did. He came but across really good. Those two were like in love with each other. You could tell, and you could tell Gangrel still loves her. Like you, just from the way he talks about her in good light, and he's on it. He he's straightforward with. He's straightforward. Goes why he with why he left her, or why he felt he needed to, and such. Uh, just. It's such a good episode. Definitely give it a shot. Uh, it was the second episode. I, I cried. Second one, the first one I cried to was Canyons. Uh, yeah. This one, oh, it's harder too because like me being a wrestler, it's just I just imagine thirty years from now, someone I trained with or someone I knew just passing away like that. At like, what, how old was Luna? Like what, fifty? If yeah. that, when she yeah, passed maybe, away, maybe yeah. So I'm just I. I Oh, oh, I don't, I, I'm not looking forward to that. That's uh, heartbreaking. Well, hopefully you, you don't have to experience that. And hopefully we learn enough and that we're able to, uh, to support each other. Let me throw it over to the butt. Uh, I don't know if you saw the episode, but if you have, love to get your thoughts. But if not, what were your thoughts in general about Luna Vachon? Uh I did see the episode, uh, heartbreaking. Uh, it, it, that was hard to watch. I mean, she had a hard knock life. She went mm-hmm. through a lot of stuff, uh, you know, between the, the sexual assaults and then her mental health, you know, her addiction issues. It was it was, it was was hard to watch. I'm not one to get choked up over much, but it was a couple times that, uh, you know, you, you get that little bit of a lump in your throat. Mm-hmm. It, it was just, I don't know how else to put it, it was just, it was hard to watch. You couldn't help but have your heart break. No matter how miserable of a prick you are, 
watching that show <laughs> and not feel a little bit bad. No, I agree. A poor woman just could not get a break. And, you know? and the fact and she had a lot of talent and she, she did. was ahead of her time. Yep. Like you said, if you have her today, she's legit. Like she is making bank. She's a superstar. Unfortunately, she came into the era where it wasn't if they could wrestle, it was eye candy. And that was all. And it's unfortunate. She doesn't get talked about the way she should. You know, we often talk about the Attitude Era in such a high regard, like, whoa, the Attitude Era. Man, I can't believe it was the craziest thing. Now we're looking back at the Attitude Era and we're realizing the Undertaker's locker room. Yeah, not exactly the place you probably really want to be a part of. And second of all, all the sensationalizing of the inappropriateness and the sexuality and and demeaning people, depending on what their preferences are, and, and just everything in general, it just seems like... It made for a very toxic environment, and no, I didn't. Show. I didn't work there. Uh, I didn't know some of these things. But one of the stories that got me was when um, I guess it was I guess it was Luna. Actually, they were taking excerpts from an interview that she had given, and she had to go ahead and uh, Medusa was also talking about this as well. She had to go ahead and put over um, Sable. And before she walked through the curtain, Vince McMahon said, if you put a bruise or a scratch or anything on her, you're fired when you come back through that curtain. So she had to eat her pride, make this untalented individual, Rena Merrow, who had no reason being in the ring whatsoever, who was never formally trained. She was just a body and had to make her look good and had to take the pinfall and not say a word about it. And that is sad that you are regulated. Yeah, but but it was just like what an example of what they did with with Ultimate Warrior, right? Everybody had to lay down for Warrior. He didn't have a clue what the hell he was doing. And they're doing the same thing basically for some of these other people. They have a look. Therefore, everyone has to take the one, two, three and stare at the lights. Yeah, but it's sad, I mean, it's sad about what they said about her. But like, you know, Sable... It was predicated that she was such a huge star based on her looks. So obviously, she has a bruise on her face, and she's got a photo shoot coming up or something. Like, I'm not, I'm not excusing the behavior, but I'm saying like that's their reasoning. It's like, okay, well, we can't have her do, you know, get beat up and shown facially like that because that'll kind of ruin a bit of the image because she's a model, right? You know, it's For, stupid, yeah. but that's their reasoning. For me, it was the whole uh, after the match, everyone was like clapping and like, yeah, great shit. Because like, you watch that match back, it's actually pretty good. It's not, it's a lot more fun than I was. Right, I remember yeah. when I first when I first watched, I was like, oh, this is gonna suck, and it was actually pretty fun. Um, it's a fun match, but yeah, when they said uh, when they get to the back, they're clapping, and Luna's like, oh my god, thank you, and then come to find out, they're looking right past Luna and clapping at Sable and. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, a wrestler's job is to make their opponent look great. So, obviously, uh, a professional like Luna was is going to do her damnedest. And instead of being thanked for it or saying great shit, good shit, pal, that's our deal, they just look right past her and gave all the praise to Sable. Which, uh, (laughs) there's that story, that fucked up story where Sonny's checking on Luna. Hey, what's wrong? Luna's like, get the fuck away from me. It's it's fucking shoves Sonny into the fucking production pot. 
I'm not hitting her face. I'm not hitting I'll her face. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. <laughs> I, it, it, pro it shouldn't be as funny as it sounds, but just the idea of the somebody voice. getting it's shoved into a production. You'll fucking die. Nah, you're just a whore, Sonny. Shut up. You're just a fucking whore. So here's the here's an interesting thing about this. She she was so dedicated to the business. She said, "Take a bullet." I would get hit by a train from Vince McMahon because I loved the industry so much. And I loved it because I wanted to make sure women had a place to work. Women had a place to get showcased and highlighted for their wrestling ability, not for being a manager, but for their individual abilities. I feel like she stood up for people. Yeah. And I think she was so riddled with unfortunately just biological defects meaning like you know mental issues and whatnot that that's not her control and i think a lot of people self-medicate whether it's drugs or alcohol for the simple <laughs> fact that they try to help themselves understand or make sense of how they feel i don't know what you're talking about Fraylin. um <laughs> they have your panel and for the simple fact that we never oh, the pumps take, don't hurt anymore. Holy shit. We, we, we need to take the time to get to know who these people truly are, because if all you look at them is as a commodity, if all you do is look at them as a racehorse and you don't get to know who they are, then guess what? You're doing more detriment to them than anything else. And um, these people did not need a lot of these people, including Luna did not need to die as young as they did, but we just, my dad often uses the phrase, you're a victim of the era that you live in, unfortunately. Uh -huh. You yep. know, there, there's people who died of illnesses now that we could go to CVS, get a shot in the arm, and we're fine. And now um, we benefit from these things. But back then, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, all of that stuff, no one really knew a lot about it. And you got shunned for it. And because of that, that ridicule or that shame that they carried for nothing they did. They needed to somehow find a way to survive in a world that would not accept them. Yet when she had a chance to be selfish in her home country to win the WWF title, she still said no. That tells you a lot Flash. about her character. It is absolutely is. She was brought up to respect the business, no matter how angry she got no matter how frustrated she got, even when her opponent said, let's go rogue, let's do this. And she's the epitome of going rogue. But there is that line, I believe, with professionalism that she just absolutely would not cross no matter what. So now, wait a minute. Sable's not in the WWE Hall of Fame, is she? No. Thank no. God. Oh, I, I think, think she will be one day. You can't yeah, deny the no. fact she was a fucking star. So here's the thing. Anything mm. she did is that whole era they're trying to avoid. The fucking painted tits, etc. They try not to acknowledge that. So in order to put mm. her in the Hall of Fame, they have to acknowledge the whole era that they're like, mm, didn't really happen. <laughs> so, so good. I don't think they I don't think they scrub it like that. No, she's get in. No, no <laughs> they they scrub no. more of if anything, the only thing they really scrub is like the, the racy, racy stuff, as in like like DX and blackface and shit like that. Can like, you believe literally I like I, I'm maybe this is just because of the the era we live in today right now, right? But the fact that that happened now 
is crazy to think it's about. That is a lot insane. of the shit that's happened in the in wrestling. It's like oh, different time, different time. Uh, no, right? it is a different time. But I'm just yeah. saying, like, wow, like that. Katie Vick. Katie Vick was. I thought Katie oh. Vick was horrible. It was, and, and trust me, it was. The the, um, the the transgender woman with Mark Henry, like, oh my god, that was horrible. Um, Kyantai. Young. Given birth to a hand or hand chopping Val Venus's schwanz off. Oh, Kaitai's gimmick of uh, the the monster movie English indeed. dub. Yeah, indeed. Like yeah. that's not disrespectful to uh, the Japanese. Good grief! I mean, they literally went everywhere, and they didn't care. And wow! And they were even portraying Goldust, obviously, as being this. Oh. <laughs> What was he? He was androgynous. androgynous, androgynous, which they didn't know what the fuck that meant. <laughs> they kept using the phrase, oh, he's androgynous, he's androgynous. If you're androgynous, you don't go by he. <laughs> you go by they. And but even then, then, they don't even use that term anymore. But then the whole feud with Piper, as oh. if that didn't get freaking creepy and weird, and then they, they pull his... his gimmick off and he's got like the hold on we gotta throw it back to liam real quick here huh, bad nope. boys bad boys what you gonna nope. do what nope. you gonna nope. do nope. i don't control the fucking you. cops i told you this but the police show he's up literally the at they're not house. at my door i've told uh, well, you this. well 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 what that's your word against ours because all we see is them showing up you live in a worse crime-ridden city than i do you don't even know where I live. From yeah, I do have an idea. Wow. Really? Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, considering I you've said it really multiple far. times, yes, really. I am far from Akron, okay? I'm not I didn't I'm not say close. Akron. I said Crackron. My family lives in Akron. <laughs> I don't live that close to there. Okay, I was just asking questions. Uh huh. I don't live in Toronto either. There you go. Listen, I'm not, try- I'm not trying to say anything, but all of a sudden, all I see is. All I see is uh, the lights going on all the time behind the Popo. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're going after Gertrude and her illegal cigarette scheme. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? about? <laughs> he's talking about Dino Bravo. That's what he's talking about. Oh Dino yeah, Bravo. yeah. I, I said Gertrude. Right. right. Yeah, you're uh, you're about uh, six hours away. Yeah, oh, Mon- that's mo- that's more Montreal. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know anything about any of this stuff. It's um, just wild to me, though. Contraband cigarettes to us Americans—that's crazy. That is crazy. He's like, yeah, yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you can go oh, buy. Sorry. You can. You can go that buy cigarettes fantastic. on the reservations here. Like, fuck. I don't know if they do that in the states, but you know. Oh yeah, way cheaper. No. Okay. Way. Yeah. So they, I guess they do. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, cigarettes. That was. Th- <laughs> That was cigarettes were a thing back in the day. <laughs> now it's all about that vaping. Oh my god! I wouldn't know. <laughs> Contraband e-carts. There's, like, there's people that smoke. vape at my work, and I just don't understand it. So whatever. I still smoke. My grandma vapes. She's like 73 year old. She's 73, and just to see her vape is hilarious. <laughs> is that when it looks like a big tailpipe is just coming out yeah. of your mouth? Yeah, yeah. sucking a yeah, robot dick. I what the <laughs> fuck? Whoa, whoa, whatever you do in your whoa. free time, bud. Holy Poor crap. grandma. Whoa, I think we need a big time out here. Bender's cock. Yep. Butt just went Bender's really cock. weird right here. That's what it looks like to me. Okay. Didn't realize that. 
Um, so you think ahead, he's a stable th- Canadian? Yeah. Okay. I let's, am. Go, let's go ahead <laughs> to, uh, to to Anton. Um, any comments as far as did I get you already for the Luna stuff? No, but uh, okay, I your turn. I loved Luna as a fucking kid. You know, she was freaky and weird. The voice fucked with me, but she was talented. She yeah, should have been was. much more than a fucking manager. <laughs> I love her fucking mm. era with Raven because that's, I'm a huge sucker for grunge weird shit. So that shit's awesome. I'm also the product of a bipolar woman. So I understand and sympathize because that shit's hereditary. So I. I get it, especially when you're willing to sacrifice everything for what you love and what you want to do as a career to be away from your kids and etc. It's something that I can understand with what I want to do for a living. So it just I get it. Let's let's talk about this for a second because they did have her son on is this the say? episode as well. Let's talk a little bit about that because I felt like he um he had a lot of respect for his mom for what she was doing. He had a lot of respect for going after her passion, a lot of respect for what she was fighting for as far as other women wrestlers. However, he definitely uh, on many occasions uh, was almost kind of a, a commercial for don't do drugs, kids don't do drugs. This is what happens, you know, the quaaludes and the Coke and all the other kind of stuff. I don't even know all the names of all the stuff. Um, yeah. Crazy, he didn't but seem what close. Think about him? He didn't seem close with her, but like, uh, you could tell he obviously loved her. That was his mom. And uh, he was very, like, honestly, he was one of the best parts of the show. He was super level-headed, super cool to listen to. Um, but like, what got me was when it got to the part about her death, when he's like, yeah, that sucked. And he just, he pretty much just left it at that. And just like, holy shit. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> that was another part that got me. I'm like, Jesus. Cause like, and even Luna says, he goes, all, all the shit I've done for wrestling, I've sacrificed my family. I've sacrificed my, my vocal cords, this, that, and the other. And wrestling's wild. That's why, um, what was it? That's why in wrestling, you always hear people talk about like when you, Put over your family, put over your wife, put over your husband, because like they are really putting up with a lot with you wanting to be a wrestler. That sort of shit. So absolutely, that's yeah. Liam, what was your take on the son and his um, participation in it? I feel like he, like Moondog said, he was very much an integral role in the whole telling of her story. And I think he was incredibly supportive when needed to be. But he also did say, hey, you know what? You know, shouldn't have done all these types of drugs and whatnot. She should not have died as early as she did. Um, what was your take on her son and in his involvement? He seemed very level-headed. He seemed like a good kid. Uh, I um, Just based on um, how I am as a father, it seems hard for me to um, really sympathize with you know, the wrestlers going away and not seeing their kids for like months at a time. Like I just can't do that. That's just not me. Uh, I know they're going after making them having a better life and all that, but it was, it's always hard to hear that stuff. Like, Oh, well, I, I didn't see my dad for the first 10 years of my life or something. It's like, Holy shit. You know, like, yeah, if if you're not prepared to have kids and take care of them, don't have them. I'm sorry. Like I, I just have a hard stance on that. So, um, but yeah, I mean like, 
he he seemed considering everything he probably went through. He seemed pretty level headed, and uh, seems like a good guy. I just you can see why he's distanced himself though quite a bit. Like he's not as emotionally available on the subject as he probably could be. Sure, but makes sense. Makes sense. But what was your take on that? I mean, obviously, he seems like he has his life together. Um, he's a father himself. Um, it, it seems like, and I don't know if maybe I misinterpreted this, but it doesn't seem like Luna actually ever uh, got to have a relationship with his child or her grandchild um, either because of just her lifestyle and her ways she chose to live. And, and plus, they lived in different parts of the country as well. Uh, it seemed like a very strange relationship. I've got virtually no relationship when you see it because he traveled he's a chef of some kind of fancy chef mm -hmm. he travels around and whatnot he was on um the gordon ramsay show oh wow uh, if i forget what hell's kitchen he was on that um it seemed like there, there really was no relationship like yeah it was his mom but that was it, it seemed like a biological thing but Nothing more. The, the take I got from it was, yeah, she birthed me. Right. And but that was about that it. That was about it. It's unfortunate. I mean, it's sad. I mean, I couldn't imagine. I know I lost my mom, and I was devastated. I mean, it's been a lot of years, and I still think about my mom all the time. So when in the show, when he says that uh, about his mom passing, it just seems like, yeah, shit yeah. happens. That made my head hurt. I couldn't yeah. fathom it. Moondog? No, I was agree with but I was like, yeah, that's uh, yeah, because of how close I am with both my my mom, my stepdad, my dad, my stepmom. If I lost any of them, I I, <laughs> I would be fucking devastated. Like I I don't know what the fuck I would even do. Mm -hmm. It's uh yeah, but like they even mentioned in the episode, they're like uh, a lot of women they didn't have kids. Till, uh, yeah. after the career or like late into their career but Luna unfortunately had the burden of having them super early uh, burden probably a bad word but you know yeah. what I mean um, it's it's unfortunate they didn't really ha uh, they didn't have a relationship because like and, she, and he even said he goes I wanted her to meet my daughter but she felt like she wasn't good enough I'm like oh, oh. Yeah. so sad man it no. sucks it is. It's horrible. Uh, sort of Anton. So both my biological father who gave me life and the man who raised me, who's the father of my younger sister, spent more time in prison than they have raising us. So Oof. there's that. So I feel Liam's comment on that. Also being the product of a bipolar mother and etc. So uh, the my father, biological father, got out of prison when I was 13. From 13 to 23, he didn't drink a drop of alcohol, do anything other than his prescription medication. And I got to have a really good relationship with him. He went back to drinking when I was 23. I'm almost 28. And uh, he's not in a very good place. He's now disabled, has mental issues, dementia, and several other things. And uh, I've distanced myself from that situation heavily. I've seen him mm -hmm. twice in two years. He used to live three hours away from me so I could justify it. He now lives 40 minutes up the road and has for three years. And I've seen him twice within two years. Once at a funeral, once with the stuff going on recently. And it's basically because of uh, how her son feels. When something happens to him, it allows me to better prepare for the situation. It's not that it's not going to upset me. It's just my way of dealing with the situation. Sure. It's uh, 
Well said. Um, it doesn't make anything necessarily easier. Uh, there's a lot of things with our families that we wish would be different. Unfortunately, sometimes it just is what it is. And kids are strapped with the responsibilities of how do I try to figure out my emotions? How do I understand what my relationship is with these people who I do love, but I don't know how much they love me or should I love them or is this good or is this not good? And I don't know. I feel like there's a, there's a consistent thread here when it comes to wrestling that you do, you, you almost have to, unless you're working for one of the major companies and you're making a lot of money, you have to determine if you want to bring life into this world um, and you are going to be a part of that life, which is the biggest responsibility you'll ever be bestowed upon as a human being. Um, you need to make that your top priority. And that's just my opinion. But if you're going to do wrestling along with that, you need to make sure that you have some type of strong foundation and a team around you. That's going to make sure that that child does not feel neglected or that child does not feel abandoned or left. Um, it, it's very difficult. I know, you know, when I was teaching earlier on, before I taught middle school, I worked with younger kids and their parents traveled a lot and it was hard on them. And they were just working in the corporate world where they would be gone but wrestling. I believe her son said she, he may have saw her once or twice a year uh, at some points. And there's no way you can keep some level of mental stability when it comes to your emotions uh, relating to a parent when you may see them once or twice a year. And that's uh, that's a tough thing that he's probably lived with and will continue to live with uh, for the rest of his life. But it seems like he realizes that and he doesn't want to have that for his child. So it seems like hopefully it will not perpetuate itself on down the line because just because a parent is in wrestling doesn't mean it's in the bloodline of the child. So anyway, uh, any final comments on said topic or are we pretty much good to laying that one to bed? I think we're done. Good deal. Let's go ahead and I'm going to throw it to some people to do some plugs. Let's throw it to Moondog first. Moondog A, it's good to have you back again. I know I sound like a broken record, but Ooh. you have been sorely missed, my friend. Ooh. Oh, yeah. You bring levity and laughter and uh, and all of that kind of stuff because sometimes we're just a bunch of sour pusses around here and we're bitter and jaded and we argue with each other, but you always seem to make us laugh. So what's new um, as far as you, as far as where people can find you? Uh, social media stuff, merchandise, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Uh, fucking the reason I haven't been on is because wrestling practice is Tuesday and Thursday, and I've been hitting up both practice. So, uh, of course, as I mentioned at the top of the hour, fucking uh, not feeling too good today. So I stayed home. And when Fraylin messaged me, I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. So, um, but so unfortunately, this is a. Rare, rare occurrence, but yeah, uh, this weekend I'll be hitting up Holbert, Indiana for Crash Test Wrestling and uh, going to be helping out, set shit up, help setting ship, shit up for them in hopes to possibly get on future cards. October 30th, Woodstock, Illinois, or actually no, they're changing venues. I got to hit up, I got to hit them up, but uh, uh, Northland Pro Wrestling, I'll be uh, on that show, uh, wrestling uh, El Mero Mero and Estra. And then, uh, of course, got CSW in November. I'll be uh, hitting up in the pre-show. Then, like, if you want to buy Moondog merch, go to brainbustertees.com slash moondog-greg-murray. 
buy some shit. Uh, bug, I, or not bug, but yes, but I gotta, I still gotta send but his uh, autograph and Travis too. Uh, they're actually uh, uh, right fucking here in my uh, drawer, all <laughs> packaged ready to go. So I gotta send them their shit. And uh, you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Shellstrike Network for uh, stream. I actually did a little bit of a stream earlier, but I was fucking tired from all the NyQuil, so I stopped. Uh, I was trying to play Skyrim. I'm like, I can't. I'm fucking tired. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I, I took a nap, and I thought I was late. And then when I saw you and Butt are, God damn it, Rit, we're still talking. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> That's our deal, but... Uh, follow me on Twitter at, at Moondog Murray, Instagram Moondog Greg Murray. And other than that, I'll stop dragging on my plugs. Uh, appreciate being on again. I hope to be on again very soon. Uh, apologies for my absence. I do miss the show. I still think about everybody. I still try to interact with anybody. I go on MWO every now and again only because it's a Wednesday. And that's the closest thing to talking to you guys again. So, of course, I'm going to hop on that when I can. Uh, shout out to Mike World Order. But uh, other than that, that's pretty much do. Well, you are loved, you are missed, and we can't wait till we can continue to do this for you. But we are happy that you're in a good place. And um, we know there's been so much going on. And one day we're going to sit down. We want to do an episode with you, even if we have to set up another night to do it. We definitely want to do it. So we'll definitely be talking with you about that. I'll take I'll take a class off for the interview. It's fine. I'll just I'll, I'll I'm not hang on <laughs> an interview. And they'll, they'll be like, oh, okay, cool. Like I said, this see these guys are so much more relaxed and cool because like when they know when you're booked when you're booked somewhere cool they're like great great that's great to hear go go do it <laughs> and we will plug them as well so let them know if they have anything chicago they- style wrestling csw uh csw wrestling training academy uh definitely top top notch shit uh they teach you great shit they they're very kind fun loving very accepting um uh, very accepting uh, you know you still gotta earn you still gotta earn your keep you still gotta earn your respect you still gotta pay your dues but it was very it was very relieving to almost not almost immediately but to be able to like uh there's a perfect word for it but be able to be- befriend some of these guys so quickly and like really get to know them and such because everybody there is class you know there's no maybe there's a guy here or there but like for for the most part night class great guys csw chicago style wrestling well i tell you what if they ever want to come on as well let them know let the whole company know they are more oh, than sure. welcome to come on here and talk wrestling interviews plug shows we'd be more than happy to have them on so good deal yes uh the butster what's going on with you what are some upcoming things you have going on right now? Obviously, we're in the midst of what duck season right now. Waterfowl season right now. So nice. A little little busy with that. Um, my days off. The rare ones I got. His shotgun's um, ready. No, just shotgun, but she's all ready to go. Warmed up. Um, working on a, a small project for um my wife's school. Nice works at. We're doing a. Uh, Christmas gifts for all the kindergarten kids. We're making a little wooden rainbows for each of them. Nice. That's uh, awesome. That's my donation to the school. Uh, so I'm, I'm probably about 60 hours into it so far. <laughs> Hopefully another wow. 80 I'll be done. And yeah, just work. Things are good. No complaints. Life's treating you okay? Fantastic. 
Well, you know what? It's good to see your face. It's good to know you're doing well. And uh, please keep keeping those pictures sending my way because those are awesome. Um, I am not a sportsman, so at least I can live vicariously through people that I know. Well, it's funny. The, uh, the duck that I harvested, I've been trying to get one for over eight years because I want to get a taxidermy. Nice. And I took it to the taxidermist yesterday. So Ooh. hopefully now- in four months I'll have it back. Well, not to be nosy, but to be that guy. What, what is it expensive to get some taxidermy? Yes, I had very. a feeling. I had a feeling. Four hundred seventy-five so, bucks. Wow. So I was going to say in in Sean Spears T-shirts. What are we talking here? But wow, a now of, yeah. a lot of Sean Spears shirts. My dad wants to taxidermy our oldest cat when he passes away, and I hate it. That's <laughs> fucked up. I know a guy that'll do it. That's fucked up. No, don't encourage this, but that's fucked up. No, yeah, I, I told him, please don't do that. Fucked up. <laughs> I will yeah, show you it. the episode of Family Guy over and over to tell you why you should not do that. <laughs> Taxidermying is a very unique thing. Um, I do know in some, and this is not everywhere, but in some foreign countries, um, you know where I'm going with this, you are able to taxidermy uh, a human. Uh, so after the service is over, you can take them with you. So I, I don't think necessarily that helps the healing process, in my opinion. <laughs> Walk um, in, there's dad on the couch, all taxidermy, and he's fucking in his boxers and his bathrobe, but he's it's stuffed. A little, it's a little different. It's a little different, but let's go ahead on a, on a, on a lighter oh note. Let's throw it to Anton. Imagine um, fucking in front of that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Moondog's done his own Moondog report this entire episode. This like, I've fantastic. literally had to say nothing. Like, he's made so many jokes that I'm like, I'm leaving it alone. I'm fucking leaving it fucking alone. Because you know I'll take advantage of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> keep going. the situation worse. So, like, you're on here, so I don't have to do the report. But holy fuck, dude. Like, I'm just like, don't touch it. With the sleep deprivation and everything else, I'm going to make this bad. I'm currently on sabbatical from all projects until I get all this personal shit answered. And that's going to be like another six weeks or so. So Oof. Yeah, other than that, I, you're well. Yeah. I'm as well as can be besides the sleep deprivation. Tomorrow is my uncle's 71st birthday. Who is a green beret in Vietnam. He is the oldest living member of my mother's family. He's like older than my grandparents. Anyone. He is the patriarch Jesus. of our family and he's been here for the last two, three weeks helping and that's cool. So I'm going to go see them for breakfast. Other than that, I get tomorrow off from all the shit we've been doing. I've still been making beats every day. But other than that, like I'm literally on sabbatical from everything. I'm going to work, doing this personal shit, coming home. The only thing I've done for myself is this fucking show. That's nice. it. Where can people find you on social media if they want to follow you and just follow the word of Anton? Anton Heidnick on Twitter. A-N-T-O-N-H-Y-D-E-N-I-C-K. And I, Phil, P-H-I-L rotten on instagram very nice uh i did not ask you this but but can you give people your social medias uh at got 2291 on twitter perfect give me a follow if you want send me a message i'll duck, talk about just about anything duck season all that kind of stuff taxidermying waterfowl you are the man right i'm a renaissance man you are you are and yep. this guy so What's going on with you? Do you want to tell people your social medias, all that kind of stuff? Uh, and what are you working on? What's new in your life? Uh, savagely, I'm on Twitter. Don't really care about the rest of it. Uh, YouTube, look up Liam Savage. Um, 1999. YouTube for, go fuck yourself. Uh, <laughs> YouTube for 
YouTube for front row material. Um, just uh, we had a bit of technical difficulties, but uh, had um, our show from last week just debuted today. Unfortunately, it won't be that uh, late each week, but uh, we'll have uh, probably this show up by Friday, I would assume. And uh, yeah, check that out. Just search front row material. We're trying to get our subscriber count up, so nice. try to help out with that. We appreciate all that you do with that. I did want to share this with you guys really quickly. So um, my sister-in-law, her birthday is coming up, and we're going to be celebrating this with my wife's sister uh, this coming Friday. And we went to the store, and we were like, hey, this is what the goal is. We need to get her a birthday gift because during the week with teaching, grading papers, we have no time. So I went to the store, and obviously I had to go down the aisle. And uh, – This is Santana. Nice. Santana. Nice. This is Ortiz. And Got this is Sammy Guevara. Got him too. Which have you opened I did, them yet? I didn't get them. I didn't buy okay. them. Why not? I did I did not buy them. They were on the shelf. I did not because I said to myself, this trip was with the intent of getting something to celebrate someone's birthday. It is not about me at this point in time. At some Fuck point that. in time, you got to look. <laughs> I, I went down to Florida to help my uh, brother move in. I still bought a shit ton of action figures. <laughs> it has become, see, here's the problem. The writ, he won't say this. He has spent, I, I, he gave me the number before, for the AEW action figures, mm -hmm. something in the ballpark of over a grand already. And and that thing is worth a shit ton, isn't it? Yeah. This is the only one I have. And yeah, it's worth money. And I bought it for $20 and I'm just holding on to it. Where I've did you buy it at? Walmart? Yeah, my work. One night I saw it just thumbing through shit. It was one of the only ones we had. And now we currently have a Scorpio Sky, a Kenny a Frankie Kazarian, two of both, uh, uh, Hangman Page, and something else. Like, we've had them. They're not just selling out instantly, etc. But yeah, when I saw this, my supervisor, who was an independent wrestler, was like, either you buy it or I'm fucking buying it. And the day I bought it, I bought <laughs> it for $20, and it was going for 200 on the internet, and it's one of the fucking one of a thousand. Wow. <laughs> and I'm just holding on to it. Like, the box is slightly damaged, but it just sits next to my fucking studio shit. Just... If I need money to invest in something, this bitch is going on eBay. Wow. Thousand bucks in action figures is not that much. No, it's one of a thousand. Like No, no but the Rit, the Rit has spent over a thousand dollars just in AEW. Like, he buys the whole series at one time. Now, okay, so he, does he go for ringside? Or? I don't know how they're... Someone local. He's mentioned local. that before. Oh, yeah. Okay. Goes, yeah, he goes, yeah. Because you know, on Ringside, you can actually order the sets uh, for like 150 bucks. It's not too terrible. and But you also run the risk of Ringside not packaging them properly if you're a Menton card collector. Then, but they do throw in those like chase variants, and you won't even know you got the chase variant until you get it. So it's nice. Yeah, because uh, they actually... They did want for the first wave when they got those chase variants instead of packaging them they just sold them individually for like limited time and they got so much shit for that so they're like all right fuck it we'll just throw it in the fucking packs and you just hope you get it you know nice uh, I mean, that works better well with that being said it has been a great great tuesday night i am so glad that you were able to join us in this conversation this round table amongst friends 
when we talk about wrestling each and every week for Moondog Greg Murray, for John Cutesack, which, oh my gosh, you know what? I give you credit. You always have a very unique name at the end. So thank you very much for my cunt. Yes. Yes. For Anton Heidnick and for my friend, The Butt. Also for The Rit, who's probably asleep right now. Um, for everybody here at Front Row Material, thank you so much for joining us yet again on a Tuesday night. Catch the show coming up on audio. It'll be downloadable this coming Friday. Please go ahead and follow us on Twitch if you do not mind. And go ahead and give us a follow on our uh, YouTube page, uh, which Mr. Liam Savage has done an amazing job making sure that all of the uh, video shows go up there as well. And follow our entire, entire panelists as well. They would love to talk wrestling with you. I am Mike Freeland, and this has been Front Row Material. God damn it!